And now, introducing two men who feel that for all the criticism that Commissioner Rob Manfred's gotten throughout his tenure, perhaps his biggest stroke of genius was instituting the new rule where the league's best players need to have seven fouls in an NBA Finals game in order to be removed from the contest. While they have been impressed by the performance of the Bucks and Suns in last night's game, they say nothing has been more impressive in the world of sports than the fact that it seems like the Orioles haven't lost a game in what feels like more than a week. They are not Glenn Clark. Uh, good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio, Glenn Clarkless Radio, whichever you prefer. We are live here from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Press Box. Kyle Ottenheimer uh, with Ken Zalis, KZ as you may know him, and of course young Jack, our intern, sitting in. And uh, we got a fun show ahead. A lot of sports to discuss. There was uh, some good basketball last night. Uh, we'll talk some baseball. We got... Sarita, the NFL chick Hubbard, joining us to talk some football. So we're really covering the big three here this morning. As far as the baseball is concerned, uh, at 10.20, we will be joined by a first-round MLB draft pick, a local kid, Saverna Park High School shortstop Jackson Merrill. We'll call into the show to discuss uh, the emotions, which I'm sure we're running high, uh, hearing his name called by the San Diego Padres, and I'm sure he will uh, unseat Fernando Tatis as the team's shortstop. No, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's got to be exciting to be joining an organization that's been as uh, willing to spend and compete as the Padres are. So we'll talk to him about his emotions after hearing his name called. Uh, Zach Goodman from the Bataround will join us later in the 11 a.m. hour. To talk about his, you know, impressions of the Orioles draft, whether he shared any disappointment or whether he can find the positives and things. And so looking forward to that. But, uh, you know, it should be fun. KZ, of course, doing his requisite. I'm going to listen to us live while we're talking live thing. I love it. Missed it. It's been a little while since we've had that. It's been a while. It has. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Toyota. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. So check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. So, I mean... I think it seems worthy to discuss that basketball game last night. Um, pretty entertaining. It was. It seemed like perhaps the Suns were going to remain in control after the first half performance and, I mean, first three-quarter performance from Devin Booker as he was kind of just out of his mind. It really was, I think, as close and similar to a performance of like Kobe Bryant-esque as I've seen, and at 23 years old, 22 years old, however old he really is, I mean, it's hard yeah. to think of a young scorer being as well-rounded and practically unstoppable when he's on as Devin Booker was. He was measured. He was deadly, frankly, um, other than on defense where he just kept picking up fouls and then unthinkably should have fouled out after uh, challenging a layup on a fast break where you're kind of just like, I'm not sure if you fully understand what you're doing here on defense. You should know that with five fouls, maybe you should sit that one out. But lucky for him, the refs swallowed their whistle and let him keep playing, although it didn't really make a difference for the Suns as they fell to Giannis Tentacumpo, Chris Middleton, and the Bucks in a game that, I mean, was about the stars one way or another, good and bad. Uh, Giannis with one of the more impressive defensive plays that I probably have witnessed in my life where he 
met Booker, or it might be it was Chris Paul, met Paul uh, just past the free throw line to stop him from getting to the rim before pivoting, turning back, and blocking DeAndre Ayton on an alley-oop after, you know, two weeks ago we thought his season was going to be over. So he continues to impress. I mean, he's clearly one of a kind as far as the athletic ability is concerned and the things that he's capable of doing. But Chris Middleton was the story as far as scoring was concerned for the Bucks. As when they needed a bucket in the fourth quarter, he just kept making them. Um, very impressive. They have evened the series at 2-2. A lot of people have discussed the, uh, the unimpressive performance of one Chris Paul. Um, for a player who's surely a Hall of Famer, discussed as being one of the best point guards of all time, there was really not a whole lot to like about his game last night. He turned the ball over. For the first time in my life when I've watched Chris Paul, he, he I mean, normally always knows where players are in the court, but he was making passes that just kind of were so out of character and to empty space turning the ball over, I mean, losing the dribble in the fourth quarter, missing a lot of open shots. It was uncharacteristic, and it makes you wonder if at age 36 he's starting to feel maybe the wear and tear of this long playoff and this long season. So, you know, that will be a storyline to monitor as the Suns look to be in total control through two games as all three of their stars were dominant in those games. But since then, uh, they haven't quite been in sync, at least offensively. So... That will be interesting. Um, look, as a basketball fan, I'm not going to complain about the series now being evened up as it should provide for exciting and entertaining and thrilling uh, finishing to the series. Um, I guess the Suns should still be favored because they have three home games or two home two games home, left yeah. and the Bucks only have one. And so that in and of itself... Should yeah. give you the edge, but at two two, right? It's anybody's series. No, it is, and 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 I'm glad you brought up Chris Paul because it was just like you're you're just watching. It's like, okay, he's just gonna turn it around. I mean, that's what he does. And he made an open shot late in the in the fourth. In and you the, thought, yeah, okay, he made, yeah, sure. he made one, but it was like to me, it was just like maybe you know you got to credit the the. Yeah, Drew Holiday was playing great defense. Yeah, you got to credit the defense, but over dribbling and eventually losing the ball just looked like to me and you don't want to criticize Chris Paul in that way because he's been so great and he's done it but it was just like you know they they conscious effort to really make it as difficult as possible um to to even get the ball past past midcourt I think um, there's kind of a foregone conclusion with Paul that his the fact that he hadn't appeared in the NBA finals was the only reason right. that he had not been successful in the NBA Finals, but this sort of, I guess, muddies the water a little bit and makes you wonder whether or not he's thinking about the moment, whether or not he's overthinking a little bit um, for a guy who has pretty widely been in control. And when he's healthy, you expect him to play at the level that he has played for the entirety of his career, which is an extremely high level, an extremely cerebral point guard, a guy who prides himself on not turning the ball over five turnovers for him in a game of this magnitude was i mean surprising to say the least but disappointing in other ways and i'm sure that especially you especially when they were no doubt yeah yeah especially when they were but yeah. i mean you know you gotta i mean i know uh aiden you know he didn't get into foul trouble but he really wasn't an offensive force at all they didn't really and they don't really get the ball into him. It's not no. like they make a point to to establish him as a post presence early on 
to make the Bucks think about it, which you would think would be a good idea to spread yeah, the floor absolutely. a little bit and make it so that Booker has more space to work with, Crowder has more open looks on the three-point line, campaign, Cam Johnson, all of those guys would benefit from being able to have more space. And right. if Aiton sucks the defense in because he's proven that he's, you know, a threat to score down there, which he is, right? Like, it was an incredible turnaround hook shot he had from probably 10 yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good shooter's touch there. Yeah. But, I mean, he clearly has an advanced game. Um, but they really, it seems like other than the pick and roll, they're not exactly making a point to get him his touches. And I understand that when you have perimeter scorers like they do, and that in today's NBA with the three being, you know, placed as far more important than the two-point shot, it's easier to kind of fall into that habit, I would imagine. And look, I wouldn't have taken the ball out of Devin Booker's hands either, considering how well he was playing. But it did hurt them. I mean, I think that by the time the game got to the end and Chris Paul was struggling and Devin Booker had to leave due to his foul trouble, they, they still didn't make a point to try to get him touches. Whether he right. was out of rhythm or whatever it was, he was sitting there with six points, 13 boards, five assists, but like, the six points were really through no fault of his own. It's not like he was missing shots. No, no, he did. It, the opportunity was not there for sure. And and you know when when you have a guy like Booker that is having one of those nights, I get it. You want him to to do his thing and not not make an effort. But like you said, the game turned around when Booker went to the bench. I think it was with what eight minutes left it in was the with fourth like quarter 10 i think was he got his fifth foul i mean it was a ticky tack foul like it probably didn't need to be called and i think people may have thought that oh that was a makeup call not calling that sixth foul at the end but right. you know it was called and i think pj tucker had a lot of fouls he probably disagreed with being called but they called yeah. the calls that they had and so i mean there's a discussion to be had about the nature of playoff basketball versus the nature of regular season basketball and whether it's right for the refs to call the games as differently as they do and allow more physicality in the playoffs if you're going to allow it in the playoffs why not just allow it in the regular season to give them consistency and to know what to expect but i'm not going to complain weird, weird thing i'm not going to complain about fewer fouls being called because you know basketball is a physical sport yes and you know to an extent some contact should be allowed now Devin Booker clearly fouled. I think it was Drew Holiday. Yeah. He clearly fouled. Yes. I mean, it was as blatant a call as exists in the NBA. The fact that there was not a foul called, it's easy to have conspiracy theories yes. and say, well, they just didn't want to foul out. They didn't want to leave. But it was, um, you know, obvious. And Giannis made it irrelevant because he followed it up with a bucket. And Correct. it Correct. proved to be nothing. But um, it was more a story, I think, of the Bucks taking the moment than it was the Suns giving it away. I, I, I agree with that. I mean you look at you you look at stats sometimes to, to see, okay, you know, and you, you the shooting from both sides was about even and, and things like that. But you look at fifteen fast break points mm -hmm. to zero. You look at uh the advantage that, you know, Milwaukee had with second chance. Not not necessarily offensive rebounding but just second chance point, yeah. they did something when they did get those offensive rebounds, whereas uh, Phoenix really didn't. I mean, it, it you look at those two numbers, and it's just such a discrepancy in them that you're like, okay, well, that's the difference in the game. Milwaukee got out and ran a little bit more and uh, was able to convert on their second chance points. And when you have and Phoenix got a little well, careless at times. Yeah, like and when you were, have a six-point game, I mean, that's all it takes. I mean, that inbound to Aiton or oh, Giannis, yeah, it yeah, was just, just lackadaisical. Yeah. yeah, lackadaisical, yeah. Uh, terrible. I mean, yeah. like, why are you 
why? I mean, why I don't even know why, why you would be looking to right. him. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, right in the first place. But even still, like make a better pass if you're gonna do it. Um, Giannis baited him and clearly right. finished. It's incredible that he got to the rim and dunked it without dribbling once. I mean, that's the kind of player he is. Yes. And his wingspan is his. His he's incredible. He is. Um, you if he if he rounds out his game, if he makes, if he develops a more. Like his bag gets a little deeper as far as his his one on one dribbling moves are concerned, and he's not as reliant on just using his size and right. athleticism to get yeah. to the rim. And his jumper, he figures that out. I mean, he'll be truly unstoppable. He is yes, yes. He is as impressive a uh, physical player as I've seen in my lifetime. It's not supposed to be possible for a guy his size to move the way that he does. And people were saying maybe there's two players, he and Anthony Davis, who are able to make that block or that defensive play that he made. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm not even positive Anthony Davis can. I, mean, I wouldn't put it past him. He's incredible in yeah, his own Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I think yeah. Giannis is a little bit more explosive than Anthony Davis. Um, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. But it's just, it's, um, you know, they're but yeah, I mean, you think of, you go through the NBA and you say, okay, well, who can make that play? And that's probably the short list. People brought up Embiid, and maybe, 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 but um, no, that was that was wild. It really was. Yeah. It was a good finish of the game. It was exciting, yeah. uh, good Absolutely. all around. I enjoyed watching it. And people are saying who the series are like is boring. Oh, I, I don't I, know I that mean, I'd agree with that. I, I don't agree at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to pretend that I watch a lot of regular season no. NBA, but I've been really entertained by the series overall. I think the fact that these two teams are not fixtures in this moment makes it more interesting. Um, They're trying to stay claim to a legacy, and that's something that's always interested me in postseason sports is the idea that, okay, they might not be fixtures now, but uh, somebody has to start somewhere. So um, I would not be disappointed if either team wins. There's enough likable players on both sides that you would want to see them uh, get their flowers. And I would be happy for Giannis to see him break through and get a title because it seems like people have treated the Bucks as sort of uh, stagnant yeah. for the past couple of years as sort of a almost the Ravens. I don't want to make too many jokes. But regular season, they're dominant. And then the yeah. playoffs, you can set your watch to them, you know, yeah. you know flailing out. But a great game. Very entertaining. Yep. I look forward to seeing. What is the next game? Saturday. Saturday? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, better than Sunday, right? Yeah. At least I'm making us Saturday, three days. Saturday, Tuesday. Saturday, Tuesday. I guess Friday. No, is it Thursday? Because nah, NBA drafts Thursday. They couldn't be doing it. They couldn't uh, be doing it at the same yeah, time. I wouldn't as the think. NBA draft. I wouldn't think. I would assume it's Friday. But no, I'm looking forward to seeing the series develop further because you know, at two two, it's anybody's game, and that's what we ask for as sports fans is. Compelling finishes, and so here we are. And it is, it would be Thursday. Game seven would be Thursday. Interesting. Probably the same day as the draft? I guess maybe it would be, it would be in Phoenix, so they would have a nine o'clock tip huh. off. The draft is probably at seven or, or eight. Or am eight. I a week off? I have no idea. Admittedly, I don't know. But, um, you know, excited to see how that goes. Huh. Um, as far as baseball is concerned, obviously there have been no games played since the All Star games, so not a whole lot to discuss. Um, I think the Orioles are back in action tomorrow night. There is one game tonight. I think the Red Sox are playing somebody, but I don't care about that, really. The Red Sox are playing the Yankees? I don't know. There's a game no, tonight, it's I tonight. think. It's tonight. It's Red Sox-Yankees. Yeah, well, as Glenn likes to say, it's a good thing to see those two teams get a little bit of publicity. Yeah, right? You don't I mean, get to see them on TV enough. So happy to get to see them They're the only play. game. 
I know Glenn was probably very uh, distraught last night about how the Suns game went, and I think he said he was trying to stress it, but there wasn't enough snacks in his parents' house. I hope he is having a nice time. I do believe he might try and join us tomorrow morning just to catch up and uh, have him talk about his vacation and see if he's he's not prone to overreact to the MLB draft because he acknowledges that nobody has any idea what happened in the MLB draft. But we will talk about that a little further, as I mentioned, with Zach Goodman later on in today's show. All right. Why don't we take our first break a little early before we talk with Jackson Merrill at Saverna Park. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio, a Thursday edition of the program. Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis. We will be right back. Here it watch out for the first time the pga tours fedex cup playoffs is coming to maryland the top 70 players in the world converge on Kays valley golf club for the 2021 bmw championship august 24th through 29th 2021 baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up tickets are now available don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold visit bmwchampionship.com today C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms Coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off 
every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le champion. Chris Jericho. Le champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio. 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. And we are back. It's Glenn Clark Radio, Thursday edition. Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. And coming up Sunday, July 25th, celebrate the return to training camp with a crab feast featuring Baltimore edge rusher Tyus Bowser at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. For only $108, you can get a VIP ticket that gets you a crab feast with Maryland steam crabs, a buffet of Jimmy's Seafood favorites, an open bar, and your VIP meet and greet and autograph opportunity with Tyus Bowser. The event benefits Casey Cares and cannot be missed, so get your tickets now by going to great8smemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, great8smemorabilia.com. So, joining us right now is a young man who probably has had a pretty exciting past seven days. As Sunday night, uh, he and his family, I'm sure, were tuned in watching closely as at 27th overall, the San Diego Padres called his name. He is Saverna Park High School shortstop, or I suppose former Saverna Park High School shortstop, Jackson Merrill, and he joins us now here on Glenn Clark Radio. Jackson, it's Kyle and KZ here in Baltimore. Thanks for taking some time for us, man, and congratulations on being drafted. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So, I got to get this out of the way first because uh, I read a little bit about you and I was excited to see that a local kid you know, gets his name called in the first round, Saverna Park High School. You got to think that means he's an Orioles fan. But, uh-oh, come to find out, your uh-oh. favorite player is one Dustin Pedroia, and you have been a lifelong Red Sox fan. Uh, look, yep. I'm sure that you are now a San Diego Padres fan, but uh, come on, man. What's, what's, what's that all about? I mean, uh, when I was growing up, my dad was a Red Sox fan, so... He was uh, he was kind of pushing me a little bit, but there's a story. When I was like three years old, I was watching a Red Sox game. I don't remember who it was, but someone hit a home run, and I like started clapping or something. My dad told me so. I've always been a Red Sox fan since then. And then Pedroia kind of just be my favorite player and all that. He swayed me over. You were so. probably what like ten years old when the Orioles actually started winning baseball games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did they? Was there any part of you that was tempted to maybe switch allegiances and start rooting for the hometown team, or were you just, you know, you were Red Sox through and through? Oh no, I was pure Red Sox through. <sighs> well, we don't love that. I'm going to be honest with you. That's not. It's not <laughs> our favorite thing to hear. We don't love that. But I suppose I understand if your father pushed it on you, right? Nature, nurture, all that good stuff. So, 
I am uh, glad to hear that you will be abandoning your fandom of the Boston Red Sox after you heard your name called by the Padres. So take me through Sunday night. You were sitting there with your family, maybe some friends. Did you expect that it would be coming in the first round, or were you a little bit surprised to get the call at 27th overall? Uh, no, we, uh, I mean, yeah, we were obviously, like, I was still in shock. All my family members are going crazy, but we kind of expected to either be late first or early second. So when it came to 27, we weren't exactly, like, super surprised, but we weren't exactly, like, we didn't exactly know it was coming. So it was sort of half and half. Um, so- I, I was with uh, most of my family members and grandparents, a couple friends. Um, yeah, it was it was a really cool night. I'm sure it was a cool night. And and initial thoughts, you know, when you get selected by the Padres, I mean, I guess they're the cool up-and-coming organization. Um, they have one of the best players in baseball in Tatis, who, uh, ha- as we joke a little bit, you will be sur- surplanting in shortstop in the, in the near future, I'm sure. But, um, you know, did you have conversations with the Padres beforehand? Do they call you before they, they kind of – take you and say hey we're about to select you in the draft or is it just one of those you know you've had good discussions with them and and you know you just wait for your name to be called yeah so um i went to a few pre-draft workouts for them but there was nothing like nothing huge no huge conversations and like uh they called my agent like right before a couple picks before and they told me that they were going to take me if i was still there at 27 so we knew a few picks before we never really had sort of huge relation or like huge conversations conversations with them so i mean you would have been excited no matter who it was that called your name right i know that's what everyone says and it's it's obvious that it's the reality but does it help that it is a team like the padres that has been at the forefront of baseball that has been investing so heavily in not only their major league team but their minor league system and it's got to be really exciting to be going to a team that seems to have so much fun on the field. What does it mean to be San Diego? How excited are you to get out there and uh, get going? I mean, the Padres one of the first teams that ever started scouting me. I think the first first team that ever had a real conversation with me. So I guess coming from that perspective, them being the first team I've ever spoken to, it was really cool for it to end up like that. And also, yeah, I see all the young talent, like Tatis and Machado's on the left side of the infield and stuff. And everybody asked me, like, how are you going to still play left side of the infield? I said, well, <laughs> something's going to come where I'm going to play left side of the infield. I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to play left side of the infield. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to find a spot on the field I can play and still help the team. So in any way possible, I want to be up there helping the Padres go and win a World Series. But, um, I mean, I'm really excited to get out there. Uh, I leave pretty soon, but I just want to get going already. I don't, I don't want to wait any longer. So what's the what's the plan now? Um, do they have they already assigned you to a to a, a team and and when do you go out there and when do you start playing baseball again? Yeah, uh, so I uh, I'll be this weekend and go out there, but they haven't assigned me to a team or anything. I go out and do physicals, and then I will begin doing some instructs and just working. I think get some workout plans, hitting plans going. Um, but I haven't been assigned to a team or anything yet. So then when was this dream sort of a reality for you? Obviously, every kid who plays baseball dreams of making it to the majors one day. But when was it? I think I read that sophomore year you were playing against St. Mary's and they had some pretty high-level guys and that you went, I remember the article said, you either went two for four or three for three, which are pretty different, but both pretty good. 
Is that when you knew that that this was perhaps a real chance for you to not only you know play in college, but maybe even professionally? No, that that sophomore year, that was when I realized I could play in college. I I never knew I could play professional at that point. I'd say like maybe Novemberish or Decemberish when I realized I could play pro ball because of how much bigger I was getting over the winter. But uh, the sophomore year was really just when I realized I could play past high school, and then probably after this past summer that's when I started realizing I could play pro ball so what's the biggest focus for you right now obviously you're still filling out you expect that you're going to be sticking at shortstop or that's your hope I imagine right well yeah it's definitely my hope I mean that's my home position I uh I I love playing there I definitely have some more room to fill out so it could push me to third base or maybe something not as agile but I, I mean I am pretty fast I am pretty long my arms and legs are pretty long so I feel like any position is really good for me all right. I mean, that's not a bad answer. I'm sure that no matter where, like you, everyone always says, right, wherever the team needs me, I'll play, and you're willing to probably do whatever it takes to reach the major league level. Um, yeah. So and then I got to know, what was the food spread that you had on Sunday night? <laughs> what were you guys eating? Like, is there something that you made sure you had to have, or did you leave that up to your family? You had bigger things to worry about. Yeah, I left it up to my family, but they uh, they got some Lito's pizza, some wings, uh Sort of like the plates you can buy from Safeway, like the cheese, the crackers, and all that stuff. But yeah, was, we had a bunch of liters and pizza. All right, it's not bad. That's that's, a, that's not a bad spread. So you know, you, you're you're named the Capital Gazette Player of the Year uh, in Maryland. You bat 500, set a uh, tied school record with 13 home runs, 30. Nine RBIs, but in some of the some of the information I've read about you, they they describe you as a late bloomer. Um, would you agree with that? It seems like you had a pretty uh, pretty uh, even keeled rise through high school into where you're getting ready to start your professional career. Would you agree with the late bloomer uh, mantra? I would definitely agree with that. Um, going into November last year, I was 160 pounds, and then before <laughs> the high school season started, I was 195. All right, uh, so then, hold on, hold on, hold on. That wasn't, like, just you, what were you doing? Like, eating 6,000 calories a day like Michael Phelps? Like, were you making a concerted effort to put on weight, or did it just naturally happen? No, I was I was eating and lifting a bunch, but it took me a while to get to the point where I was consistent with it. Like, I'd say in the previous years, I may, might eat well and go to the gym maybe a few times a week, but over the winter, I was every single day. So that so, really helped me get up there, and then, as far as the draft-wise, definitely a late bloomer. I mean, we went to the high school season, maybe four or five scouts at the first game, first couple games. Go to the middle of the season, it was probably 10 or 15 or 20. And by the time playoffs came, we had one where there was like 55 or 60 scouts there. So was it was it, really – it rose really quickly throughout the season. Did you feel any, like, increased pressure with all the scouts in attendance, or was it something that you kind of relished, the opportunity to get those eyes on you and to sort of prove that you belonged? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously I'd show up to the field and they'd all be there, but I'd see, I'd be like, oh, cool, that's a bunch of scouts. But as soon as I crossed the line going onto the field, I just played my game. I didn't change anything or think about it when I was on the field. Nothing really got to my head. So you were previously committed to go to West Point um, before changing your commitment to go to Kentucky. I mean, even the initial commitment to go to West Point indicates that there's a pretty dedicated uh, regimented approach to life. Um, what was that decision like? I mean, when you decided to switch Kentucky, I know the SEC competition level, and this is almost a moot discussion because I figure you will right. be signing being drafted 27th overall. But um, those decisions when you were choosing your colleges initially, like what went into that? How did you make those choices? I mean, 
the initial decision for Army was at that point in time, I didn't think I was getting much bigger or better. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with baseball, so I was I was considering just going to Army, playing baseball. I'd be there for four years. I'd come out with basically a set life with how insane that, that education is. And then after the summer, I sort of realized that, yeah, I can play professional baseball. Like, I can go to a better better college for baseball and compete because I had a really, really good breakout summer last summer. Mm-hmm. And um, talked to my family, talked to some people, some coaches, and I decided that baseball is exactly what I wanted to do. So I switched over to Kentucky because the SEC, obviously, is the best competition for the collegiate level. And then as well as the development there, like the, the focus they have on baseball is incredible. How did uh, that was, how did you reason. sorry? How did you use the um, the pandemic last year? I know that the baseball season was kind of thrown into upheaval, but I mean, you've been described as somebody with a strong work ethic, spending time after practice, shagging, you know, taking ground balls, taking batting practice. Like, if you could estimate to the nearest hundredth, how many pitches did your dad throw to you during the pandemic last year in batting practice, and uh, how much time did you guys spend out on the field practicing? Um, I mean, at the beginning of quarantine, really, there wasn't much we could do. All the fields and parks were closed, so you couldn't really go anywhere. Um, really, for me, I'm going to be completely honest. In the before the summer season last year, I was I wasn't doing too much. Hmm. Like I was honestly kind of lazy. I'll admit it. But <laughs> when the summer came around, we were traveling to Georgia and North Carolina. We went to Indiana once, but it was every weekend we were out of state. Like we were never never really home last summer. Did that at all like re- did that reignite your passion for the game at all? Like, how much did you miss getting out on the baseball field and playing? Uh, you could tell it. It, it was really different without it. Because being home too much was really annoying, and not having practices and stuff was really annoying. You could tell as soon as the season started, I really got back into it. You know, you're one of seven, I think, or eight high school shortstops that were drafted in the first round. I know you've you, you traveled a lot. Did you come across uh, any of the other guys that were drafted? And um, you know, uh, you know, how do you compare yourself to some of those guys? We we why are you, you have, better than them? Well, yeah, you know? that's what I was going. I didn't want to. I didn't want to put them on the spot too much. But but you know, you read. Uh, the scouts they love they love your hands they love your arm strength they love the potential for the the power bat and gap to gap and and as you grow into your body um, great scouting reports that we've seen on you but did you come across some of the some of the other guys that were drafted in the first round at the same position uh, yeah I came across one of them uh, Khalil Watson who went 16th mm-hmm. to the Marlins uh, we played um, it was called South Atlantic Pro Games it was like a border battle thing for a lot of pro scouts um at that time i mean he was definitely he's definitely better than me. like he was hmm. the amount he loves the game and the amount he uh he grinds and focuses is incredible i mean you can see i mean he's projected to go top five i mean i don't really know what happened but he's projected to be up there because he's one of the best players in my in my class in the nation right now at all so but now i feel like i can compare myself because of the way that i gained the speed i've gained and strength I gained like I was starting to hit the ball a lot farther almost probably the same as him maybe a little bit farther but no he's uh he's definitely one of the best players I've ever played with so then now that the dream is you know closer to being a reality right this is only the beginning you still are excited to work through the minors and finally eventually reach the major league level when you envision yourself in a Padres uniform 
you know, making your debut or at the major league level, who's the pitcher that you imagine facing in the big leagues right now? Um, I mean, I've always imagined facing Chris Sale hmm. just because of how whack wow. his arm slot is. <laughs> how weird he throws from, especially me being a lefty. So yeah. I've always wondered what it would be like, what it would look like. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see what it looks like just so I know. That'd be really interesting for me. You were a decent pitcher too. You got up to like ninety-two miles per hour with Shohei Otani doing this. Are you uh, any any temptations there to maybe stick on the mound and try and go both ways? Uh, I don't know. I I really was just trying to help the high school teams. We needed a closer, so that's really all I did. Do you think? I mean, look, it's incredible to see him doing what he's doing. But do you think that that might spur maybe some more two-way players in the future, or is he just kind of like a unicorn? No, I think it definitely will at least have kids try. Because they see him out there, they see him doing it, being one of the best players in the game at both sides of the at both sides of the game. I feel like younger kids they're gonna see it and be like, Oh, I actually want to try this because it's a possibility now. Most kids they don't really do it because they never knew it was a possibility. But seeing someone up there being able to be dominant at it, they they might try it now. Well, it's definitely crazy to see what he's doing. But, dude, uh, thrilled for you, man. It's got to be a really exciting time for not just you, but your family and the entire Severna Park High School community. So congratulations again and wishing you the best of luck and excited to see you in a major league uniform sometime soon, all right? All right. Thank you, sir. There he goes, Jackson Merrill, uh, 27th overall pick for the San Diego Padres, Severna Park High School star, an impressive kid. Excited to root for him and yeah. watch him develop, even though he is a Red Sox fan. That's my least favorite aspect of all of it. You know what? You know what? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. As soon as you start to to put the the dad was a Red Sox fan and you you grew up watching the Red Sox because of your dad, you, you got to – you got to give the kid a pass. I get on it. it. I get you it. It's different than just gravitating to the Red Sox yes. and Yankees right, they're because popular they're team. popular yes. and stuff. I mean, once once you hear, well, my dad, that's what we had on, and at three years old, it's like, okay. I understand. I understand. That doesn't make me like it anymore, though. I know. You're in Baltimore. You're rooting for the rivals. Oh, well, that. Last year, he had a rough year rooting for him. Yeah, so, well, they're know. doing okay this yeah, year. Yeah, this year. <laughs> then they got it's the top shortstop. And I'm just, yeah, we wouldn't ask about Marcelo Meyer. No, sure. I wasn't going to. You know, he's a, he's he a knew, Padres if fan he now. Brought, that's why I asked the question, because right. if he knew him, sure. I, I, we would have gone in that direction. But, you know. He is certainly likely to abandon his Red Sox fan. I should have asked whether his dad was going to abandon the Red Sox fan, and that would have been a good question to ask. But, no, he seems like an impressive kid. He's got his head on straight and – We'll be excited to see how he develops and uh, just how soon he might be able to reach the next level. Um, yeah. you know, definitely a fun discussion there. Yeah, seems like a nice kid. With Jackson Merrill. So uh, we're going to talk some football with Sarita, the NFL chick Hubbard, on the other side of this next break. Uh, today's show has also been brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. And call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. This is Glenn Clark Radio. It is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance as we broadcast from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis. We'll be right back. 
Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Here it Watch out! For the first time, the PGA Tours FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Ruling from Great Eights Memorabilia, and we want to invite you out to Jimmy's Famous Seafood on Sunday, July 25th. We will be there for the Casey Cares Return to Training Camp Crab Feast with Baltimore Raven linebacker Tyus Bowser. Tickets are on sale now at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great, the number eight, letter S, Memorabilia.com. And remember, you always have a chance to be great. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window plus put no money down make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com tell them glenn clark sent you window nation the perfect fit the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover thomas kenzora profiles university of maryland quarterback talia tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the terps to big 10 prominence this year also inside bo smolka breaks down the ravens offense of luck, a look at Coppin State's Olympic connection, and much more. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. 
All right, we are back here, Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, Glenn Clark Radio is brought to you by the Stan the Fan Show. And Stan the Fan has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. This past Monday, they had Larry Sheets, father of White Sox slugger Gavin Sheets, as he discussed his emotions watching Gavin debut and also play in Camden Yards this past weekend. Uh, every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. Last night, they chatted with Bill Ordeen as he discussed the developments in gaming in the state of Maryland. Both shows are live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and are available for the next day at pressboxonline.com. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at c3america.com. So we are joined now by a familiar face for Ken Zalis and myself, as we used to spend every Sunday morning for what felt like 10 years together uh, here in this <laughs> studio, the Fantasy and Reality Football Show, which is no more, but that doesn't mean we can't get the gang back together and have a good time. She is Sarita, the NFL Chick Hubbard, and she joins us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Sarita, you know KZ and myself, we don't really need to introduce ourselves to you, but good morning. How's it going? Good morning, guys. How are you? All's well. KZ, you have Wonderful. Answer? Good to hear your voice. How you doing? Good. How about you guys? We're, 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 we're hanging in there. You know, it's uh, a lot of baseball stuff. I don't, I don't watch a lot of baseball anymore, as, as, Kyle has found, <laughs> as Kyle has found out this week, as he keeps on asking me trivia questions about baseball, and I can't name more than three players. But, uh, you know, you know, watch it, watching the media pick on Lamar is always a, a fun thing during this time of year. So, Guys, I have I mute his name now. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. And I just want people to understand. I want people to stop being so emotional online because there's a method to all of this madness, right? And I don't know if you wanted to talk about this, but let no, me get no, this no, off no, my no, chest. No, by all means. Let me get this off my chest real quick. All of these people know that Lamar is extremely polarizing. So anytime that you see a segment about Lamar Jackson, um, an article about Lamar Jackson, a conversation on the timeline about Lamar Jackson, it is mostly calculated because the engagement numbers go up extremely when it comes to Lamar Jackson. That's why he's always included in whatever conversation that the, the major networks use or, you know, um, that the major analysts um, use. And I need people to understand that because if you don't engage, then he won't be coming up as much. But you do continue to engage because he's so polarizing. And that's why people continue to bring his name up. No, so if true. you just stopped, it won't happen as much. It just wouldn't. It won't. <laughs> I try. I try. There are just certain triggers for me when certain people bring up his name. It's like, just just stop. Just stop. I, I don't mind. If you don't think he's a good quarterback and you want to go in that route or you want to you wanna say for your viewers and for your clicks that he's not a good quarterback because you know it'll move the needle, that's fine. But can we get away from picking on him and bringing up things that aren't stories like him going out and 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 working, you know, playing around with some kids at a at a camp or whatever, and saying, "Oh, he's it's stupid" and and stuff like that because he hasn't made his money yet. It's like you know, 
the, these guys, these this is what they're this is what athletes do. Athletes go and do athletic things sure. in their off time. You know, it's just I'm so, and I'm tired of fans agreeing with these people and i that's what gets me if you want to i'm over the the quarterbacking part of it it's the it's the off the field stuff that they want to go at him with and and you know he's shown himself to be nothing but a really good family community type kid that just happens to be a really good football player and and it just you know let, let him live his life it's like get off his back he and said look, it himself. He was like, I'm tired of him now. I just want to win a Super Bowl and get him I off my know, back. I <laughs> know. Poor baby. He is so over it. And listen, right? Like, it, is it a, a risk in what he was doing? Maybe. You know? Okay. But the Ravens appeared on the surface to not have an issue with it because they reposted the videos that we saw <laughs> online. And to be fair, right, we have to point out that I'm sure whoever's running the social media account are not the same people negotiating in the, with the Ravens Absolutely. for the contract, right? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm just making the point that it sure. couldn't be so bad, right? It no. couldn't be horrible. That's all I'm saying, right? It's one yeah. of those awkward situations where, you know, even when we, like, we've joked around a lot with the Bowie Bay Sox athletes some of the Orioles top prospects about who's the best basketball Basketball. player who would win in a one-on-one game and my biggest fear is if they played one-on-one one one of them gets injured it's our fault right Right. like we're the people that almost set it up and that reality exists right Terrell Suggs famously tore his Achilles playing basketball in the offseason but you know outside of there being stipulations in a contract that say that a player is not able to play basketball or like these are guys are athletes, right? They're going to play sports and they have to stay in shape somehow. So there's going to be risk involved with whatever it is that they're doing. It's just one of those things that we like hyper focus on because it's easy to point a finger and say, is that a smart thing to do? Well, come on, like, let's just take it easy. And and like, Casey, let the man live. And every, and and what got lost in all of that, because y'all wanted to do that to him is the community effort that he made right. in reaching out with those kids. We don't have that conversation now because y'all want to hyper-analyze what he did with the kids mm-hmm. that he was connecting with. So do you want him to be in, in the community or do you want him to be in jail? I don't know what you want from him, right? Like, okay, the Ravens probably was like, yeah, I don't really care for that. I just don't think that it was as big as an issue as the media and other people are making it. It's a simple conversation. Just be careful out there, sure. Lamar. That's really like what you can say. We did this last year when he was at the beach and he fell. We're gonna, we did, yeah. we're doing it now. <laughs> it's always going to be a thing because Lamar is so polarizing. And it's really just about him being polarizing as a player. He doesn't talk much. He doesn't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. We don't see him like in the clubs or nothing like that. He's no. a kid. We see you him know, at the he, gas station a lot. No, he loves the gas station. <laughs> that must be a Florida thing. They love must be. Up must and be. And they at the gas station with their Fendi and stuff on. And I don't know what that's about, right? No, so it, it must be a Southern thing. But uh, <laughs> So then let's talk a little bit about the football side of things, right? Obviously, the Ravens made a lot of moves this past offseason in the draft, uh, seemingly trying to set the offense up for – if not to focus on, give them the ability to perhaps do more through the air. Um, Do you think we're going to see an actual transition as far as the volume of passing is concerned from the Ravens, or is your suspicion that they're just trying to put more talent on the field on the outside to give the defense more to think about? 
Probably both, a little bit of both. The problem, though, I think, guys, and look, the talent that they have now is better than the talent that they had last year and from the outside. I think we can all agree on that. Um, I think, though, that we saw this last year, in the beginning of last year. I feel like that they – that maybe there was some type of personal vendetta that Lamar was like, I'm tired of people. I'm going to try to show them that I can do things with my um, arms. And we saw him in the pocket in the beginning of the season, I think a little bit more than we did later in the season. And um, at times it, it was uncomfortable, right? Um, and then I think, I think the pivotal point of the season was when he got sick, um, he had COVID and he was out mm-hmm. and he came back. I think he went back to his old ways and that's what, you know, got the Ravens in a run and then they made a playoff push, right? So it'll be interesting to see because I do think that last year that was definitely something that was on his mind. And I think at sometimes, you know, it just didn't click whether it was like something, a breakdown from him physically um, or just the guys that he has weren't really in position to be great, play, you know, great at what they do because mm-hmm. they're wanting to make Marquise Brown be an outside guy. I'm not saying he's not. And Casey, you, I don't know how you feel about this. This is just my opinion, but I think that he's best worked in the slot. I think he would be best suited there because he doesn't have to deal with the contact and nobody's going to beat him. You know what I mean? So I, I just feel like that part of it, where putting him outside last year, you know, a lot. And then with Boykin not really coming along the way that they would have liked him to play the role in that. So it'll be interesting to see how this works now with a Sammy Watkins, who's probably the best route runner, not probably is the best route runner on this team. You know, you got Second Bateman. Best. You know. I think Marquise Brown's probably the best. Would you say? Or, or I, think think that, Bateman? I think, think Bateman. I think Bateman. I think Bateman's the best route runner on this team by far. Well, well, I don't know what he's like from a. I'm, let me be fair, right? Yes, from a college perspective, he looks really good. But I, I know, I know Sammy Watkins in the NFL, and that's where I'm going with it, right? So that's how that's how I'm viewing uh, it. It'll be interesting to see what Bateman's does now on this level. I just want to see, and, and and I agree with that. Look, adding. Adding Sammy Watkins, if you know, we you always put the the injury history sure. with him there. But putting Watkins and drafting Bateman, um, as long as they allow Bateman to to be that guy from day one and not have the silly, you know, rookie rules that they always put on people uh, around here. Um, I think I agree with you. I don't know if it, it's a slot necessarily, a pure slot. But there's got to be more motion yeah. and more movement inside to get him off, get Brown off the line quicker and into space quicker, and yep. not just have the the deep out and the go route. And we talked about this last year, and I know other national people finally jumped on because we've been talking about it for years. But they the, their imagination in the offense has got to improve. And when I say that, it's it goes back to route combinations. It goes back to utilizing the fact that they are a run-first team and doing more of the, of the jet sweeps and, yeah. and more of the RPO where you're pulling the ball and, and dropping back for the or, – or pulling the ball and hitting the quick slant or, or some more imagination from the offense. If it's not – and this is the problem with the offensive coordinator everywhere he's gone is that he does this for two, three years. He's done it in Buffalo. He did it in, in uh, San Francisco. 
you know, two, three years, and then the league figures them out a little bit, and there's no plan B to it. There's no expansion of it. And I, my biggest fear is, is now that we have, now that the Ravens have added what we what we feel are better weapons around Lamar and improve some things and put some better route runners that can get open in short spaces. I'm hoping that there is this next plan B and this next level to the offense because the league did catch up a little bit to it. Mm-hmm. The more you see it and the more you see it on film and the more you see your tendencies is, is great. Um, but I, I, I'm just – I still have that fear in the back of my head. I love everything they've done, but is, is there that different playbook? Where, where's the, where's the, the subset playbook with these better routes and these different combinations and more motion? Like you have so much speed – you can put so much speed on the field that why more motion isn't used pre-snap is just beyond me. I just I I've never understood it. Of course, they brought in Keith Williams and T. Martin, who yes. at least you figure should have maybe a little bit of increased focus on. I hope it that. puts them on the hot seat. Quite frankly, well, I do. I, I, hope. I, I hope so, but I I I I mean, he should be on the hot seat to start. I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't take a lot of time for that seat to get hot. This is a team now after you've gone to the playoffs couple years in a row again and you've won now a playoff game that it's it's not the playoffs should be a given and I know it's easy to say but for this team the aspirations are not just to win one playoff game anymore you have to start to move a little bit forward I hear you and I think if look I'll be the voice of Glenn Clark he's kind of here to say it himself right we sometimes I think do get lost in the fact that they have fizzled out in the postseason and maybe neglect the idea that they've been by far the most productive regular season offense in football for the past two seasons, scoring-wise, right? Like, they put points on the board. They win 90% of the games that they play. Do you guys think that in order to reach the Super Bowl, they have to evolve, they have to change the offense, or do you think that this is just a matter of – it's a matter of, you know, the, 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 the law of averages. Eventually, their style, their running heavy offense, will best the group of Kansas City and the like in the AFC. I, I, I don't I, – for me, I don't know if – I think their, their style can if you remain consistent to it. I think they've shown in the playoffs that they tend to go away from things that work all year long. Um but I, I, I think at the same time, you have to put some threats to keep the defense guessing a little bit and to show things during the regular season that would would give defenses a concern and not be able to stack the box and not keep that guy always just spying Lamar and being and not say, you know, hey, you know, we only have to cover the right side of the field because they don't mm-hmm. run. They don't run routes to the left side of the field. Their combinations are not very hard to defend. I think you have to expand that and and show people things that they haven't seen before out of this offense over the last two years. Because otherwise, it's just it's the same old. It's like you're relying on Lamar's athleticism to make the which, difference, which yeah. is fine, and it's why you're in games. And and I, I just. I, I thought they did a better job this off off season of just filling holes and improving the overall team versus two years ago where they obviously made a concerted effort to beat Tennessee. Mm-hmm. 
and and it worked. But you couldn't beat Kansas City and maybe some other teams, depending on how it how it falls out. You you can't focus on one team. You just have to be a balanced team on both sides of the ball. Um, and they weren't that last year, and I, I thought they did a better job this year in that. Rita, I I'd say um, <laughs> one thing about New England that I respect about them a lot is the fact that Bill Belichick will play to the stri- to what is given to him. So he will have a game where Tom Brady won't pass a lot of games, and I'm speaking past sure. past right, tense, right, obviously. Right, right. Where Tom Brady won't pass a lot and they run the football because that's what the defense has given him. When they, you know, shut down the run against other teams, then that's when he he made things happen in the passing game. I would like to see the Ravens find a way to do that. I, I'm fine with you being a traditionally running football team, but when you come to a team, first of all, when you get to the playoffs, you're you're playing the top teams, mm-hmm. right? Or what is supposed to be the top teams that's remaining. So I'd like to assume that they're going to be well prepared for what it is that you have to do in which we've seen that. Right. And so you have to be prepared for them being prepared at what you do best. And I would like to see them say, well, we know that, you know, look, I want you to continue to be who you are, but I also want you to be ready to not to, to do, to switch it up and do something different when someone says, Hey, we're good enough right now that we can make this, not be effective and you have to beat us this way i want you to be able to say okay and be up for that challenge in the past they've not been up for that challenge and that's been the problem in the tennessee game you know a lot of that was just bad just it was just bad mode it just wasn't their night right a lot of pass uh drop passes you know, some bad throws. There were some good things that did come out of that game, but there was no way that a guy should be dropping back almost 70 times because they weren't equipped to do that then. Now you appear to be in a position where you have better skill players that you can do more. Utilize those guys when you have a situation where they're not allowing you to be run heavy. Lamar's always going to be a guy that's going to help the run game, of course, because of what he does. But what happens when they find a way to kind of keep you grounded? Then you need to find a way to make them pay for that. And that's what I hope. I really feel like Greg Roman is one of those guys that's like, well, no, this is going to work. It's going to work, guys. Just give it time. It's going to work. No, it'll work. And then it doesn't work, right? And then you're not prepared for doing everything else. Well, now you have the keys to do everything else. So drive the damn car. And that's the part that I think that really what it boils down to is how coaching is going to make this effective when they say, whoever their opponent is, we're not going to let you run all over us. And that's the most important part. Uh, you're not wrong about that. So today's show is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days' popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like the Berry Berry Salad and Smoky Thigh Wings, featuring the all-new Shrimp Po' Boy crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, the Smoky Thigh Wings combo platter, and zucchini fries and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. So, Rita, you were talking about it there, and I'm in a tough spot there where it seems like it's sort of the chicken or the egg scenario here. They added the skill positions on the outside in Sammy Watkins and in Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, the like, right? But 
in this league, of course, respect is earned. It's not given. They're going to have to demonstrate to opposing defenses that they deserve that space, that they deserve that attention. So in order to do that, you would think the Ravens are going to have to throw the ball a little bit more to the outside and prove to those defenses that that's something that they're not going to be able to do, which is stack the box with eight and nine players. It's part of the reason that I think the Julio Jones in action, seeing him get traded to the Titans, it seemed like a perfect solution to the Ravens' current problem where the defenses are able to stack the box because they have not seen the Ravens do that. They have not seen the guys the Ravens line up outside be worthy of that attention. So Julio Jones appeared to be ready-made to sort of step in, and even if they're not going to throw the ball more, he will still demand at least two guys around him. Um, How upset were you when the Ravens didn't seem to be all that? They called before the draft, but it seemed like after they took Rashad Bateman in the first round, they sort of just said, we're good. I wasn't thrilled about it. Um, and look, I get it, right? I get the whole, like, well, we like our guys. I mean, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Rashad Bateman, I think, will be a really good football player. I don't, I don't, I don't know that, obviously, because he has yet to play a snap as a professional football player, right? But I think that, I believe that, I think he has all the skills in the world to do so. But I know what Julio Jones can do. I know what Julio Jones can do. And you know, the crazy part about it is, is like, I always knew that the Ravens weren't going to trade for Julio Jones. But I, what I didn't want to happen is what happened. Mm-hmm. That was my worst nightmare. Now, luckily for us, the Titans offensive line ain't that great. And I, I don't know how this will play itself out, right? However, Their defense isn't that good either. And the defense isn't that good. However, that's the team that I didn't want them to go to um, for obvious reasons. And that's what happened, right? But I think that, like I told people on Twitter, look, uh, Bateman is a rookie. He can sit down for a couple years, okay, for Julio Jones. Because everybody was like, well, it kind of stunts the, the growth. I don't care about none of that. I don't give a damn about none of that. Okay, Julio Jones is Julio Jones. Do you want to win football games or do you hope that this guy that you drafted is going to help you win football games? We know who Julio Jones is and we know what Julio Jones can do against opposing defenses. I want what I know. Potential, and this is, I don't know if this is like what somebody said or if this is something I came up with, y'all, but this is something that just goes with me, right? Potential is always going to be a recipe or disappointment because a lot of people don't live up to the potential that we would we see in them mm-hmm. lots of times so although i'm telling you what i think bateman can be i have no idea who this young man will be as a player but i know who julio jones is as a player and i know the the impact that he has on football teams so i didn't set myself up so I was disappointed, but I wasn't like upset because I already knew in my mind that the Ravens weren't trading for him. So I think I I, I think I was calmer than most in that regard, but I was still disappointed disappointed nonetheless because I think that he changes the dynamic of this team and they instantly become a Super Bowl contender over Kansas City and over Buffalo. And just piggyback on that, we saw how instrumental he was to the development of Calvin Ridley in Atlanta and how yes. much that would have benefited Rashad Bateman if he could have been here. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And, and I, look, I, Rita and I went back and forth, and, and she had made her piece beforehand. I was, 
I didn't think they were going to trade for him. I was more upset when I saw what the final trade was. Yeah. It was like, it was like, what? what? Like, like, like we're not making a, we, we, we couldn't give that up uh, for Julio Jones. I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of these people make your football team better, no matter how you have to do it. And no matter how, you know, as much as I like Rashad Bateman, I agree with you. If, if he had to be the, the backup to Watkins and Julio for a couple of years while he learns. And if, you know, things like that, so be it. I mean, uh, you, you improve your football team, however you can improve it. And the combination of where he went and what it took to get him there was what really got me. And it's like, really, I mean, I, it's fine to say we like our guys. It's not fine to say, you know, well, it it was too expensive for us and, and things like that. Clear, they said that before the draft about the guys they had on the right. roster well, they beforehand always, and well, turned they, around and drafted always, two receivers. He, right? he always says that, right. you know. And I I like the receivers they took. Besides Babe and I, Wallace was one of my pre-draft guys that I thought if they didn't go first round wide receiver that you could get, you know, in the third, fourth round and still be. Uh, but we can't uh, hide uh, from our paranoia. Even no. if they did hire Keith Williams and T. Martin, the Ravens have yet to really develop a wide receiver they, that's turned into a high-level wide out in the NFL. I mean, they, Torrey Smith is the best they've had. Torrey's that, probably the best example that you have, and mm-hmm. I think he's. He was flawed. Not, he's, 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 he's a little bit above. He was a little bit above average, yeah. but. Like, At least they took the right ones this time. Now, whether they yes. develop or not, see, yes. see, to me, to me, it's been a, a com. It, it hasn't even been the development part is yes a problem, but to me, it's like you, they just draft the wrong ones. You know, like they don't. They have a whatever their formula is for scouting wide receivers up until this year. You know, we can all love Marquise Brown all we want, okay? And he probably and, would be hyper-productive in the and, right and, offense. And he probably yeah. would be. But he wasn't the right guy to draft there. You know, I, 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 I'll I, go down with it. He wasn't one of the top five guys to draft there, and I was wrong about one of the guys for sure that, was above, that I put above him. But it was A.J. Brown. It's like you're looking. You've you, always been on day. You were looking. You're, what you were looking for is like the speed outweighed all the other aspects of what you were looking for. You're, you needed somebody different. And Brown now should be – he should be having his best year this year should all the pieces around him stay healthy because he shouldn't be on the outside all the time, not comparing him. Excuse me, to Tyreek Hill, but they should use him in a more Tyreek Hill way, coming across the formation, allowing him to get open in space, and not just running outside. And hopefully that can that can be the case now that they have some more weapons. But I think it's just been the the shots that they have taken. They've either been too late in drafts, waiting till the fifth, sixth round, and taking guys that maybe could develop. Mm-hmm. Or the guys that they've taken early are just haven't been the right guys. Yeah. So then, are we still coalescing around the idea that you know the Ravens are number two in the AFC after Kansas City, or you think Buffalo has, or Buffalo or Tennessee even have earned the right to be favored over them? I think Buffalo has. I, d- I think Buffalo has. I don't think that Tennessee has because they do have some holes still on that team. I just think that defense holds them back from being above the Ravens. I agree. Bills, e- even if you know, once they you know. even if they get to the playoffs, I I just don't see 
how that defense look if, if they're going against teams that can score then right. it's going to be a problem for them and that's that's the part that i i stand to and yeah i just don't I, i'm with you i don't know how, how i feel about that but yeah i think it's you know i think you have to look at i think i don't know cleveland might be better suited as well as having tennessee in a conversation mm-hmm. at this point because i think that they're more solid across the board than um tennessee is so yeah i, I wouldn't put them a over the Ravens, personally. Who are the teams in the NFL that you think are going to take the biggest jump this year? I mean, you know, they might have sucked last year, but who is going to be the surprises, do you think, around the league? You know, it depends on what happens in Denver. I know that's. I know this sounds crazy. With, right, with, are you assuming that who's who's your quarterback in Denver? If you I don't know because question. I know that they would like both Aaron Rodgers and well, Sean yes. Watson. Okay. Sean Watson gets his his cases taken care of, right? Sure. And if look, either of those, guys I don't know. We don't know what the league would do for for that. I don't know if he'd be suspended for some games, but I think that that team is a pretty decent football team. I just think that they don't have the right person being the general of that football team. But I think that the right general could change things drastically for the Broncos. Right. Um, So I know that's a scenario that obviously I can't speak. It's very, very hypothetical because as of right now, Drew Locke is still their quarterback, but if something happens where like somebody gets traded there, then I'm changing my mind. I'm telling y'all this now while I can, <laughs> right? I'm on the record. So they'd be, they'd be my, my people. I don't know how I feel about Miami because I think that they are, I think that they could be a good team. They're obviously really good on defense, but Tua is just like, I don't know. I, I can't call that one. KZ. like, yeah, I, I, I don't know yet either. I, I, I kind of trust my eyes a little bit of what I what I saw, and I, I think he'll be okay. They they put some things around him. They drafted well uh, this year. The defense is really good. The offensive line is solid. I think they're going to be okay. I think that they're obviously the second best team in that division. Um, I think they'll challenge again for the playoffs. Uh, you know, uh, ten and seven, eleven and six. I got. Redo my math in my brain. Oh my god! I was sitting there over uh, here thinking like, uh, I, know, I know, I know, I know. It sounds I know. ugly. I, I don't like. It. I don't like it either. I can't. I I absolutely can't stand Hate it. it. But but I I'm gonna go with two teams that are a little bit further down the spectrum. Um, that I think are gonna be the most improved. One is is really close to us, and I think the yeah, the Washington mine. football that team. That was mine as well, for what it's worth. Um, you know, Even I, with the quarterback situation? I think that it's I better think, than they had going before, I, that's I for th- sure. I think, I think it's better. I think Fitzpatrick, we know that he will have his moments where he's horrible, but I think his, his, his willingness to, willingness take, shots, to yeah. take shots and then bringing in uh, Samuel, Curtis Samuel, um, that defense we already know is very it's legit really and really, really good. Gibson in his next year, McLaren continue. I, I just I like the pieces that they have there, and with a veteran quarterback, yeah, he's going to make his mistakes. I just look at that team 
they're better than 500. I think they're me. the clear-cut favorite in that division. Uh, I get it. Yeah, People like Dallas, there. and they like Dallas. I don't and Dak know. Healthy, yeah. but yeah. I, I really the defense in Washington is the the yes. surest thing in that division. Okay, I, and I, that's that's absolutely fair. That that part is absolutely fair. And then and I, then and then my AFC team, and look, I don't like the coach because I hope the coach fails. But Jacksonville's got a lot of things to really like. And I know they play in a tough division. But if Lawrence is the guy that we think Lawrence is, Mm -hmm. they have weapons all over the field. They brought in more. The defense isn't as bad as you think they are. They have some young talent on that defense. I'm not saying that they're going to challenge for a division, but I could see them 9-8. and you know, eight and nine. Like fighting for a wild card. Yeah, I mean, I can see that when you're talking about improved, and I can't even tell you how many games they won last year. Well, yes, year. from an improved, yes, but, I agree but, with that. But when you're looking at teams that, you know, are 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 on, you know, could you could see a lot of improvement from, I would be surprised if they're as bad as they've been. Fair. I think that that's fair. I, um... I mean that Washington was my was my first answer because I do think that they were you know a playoff team last year despite having right. well, literally nothing. I mean, at no, let's not do yeah. that. I get, but the reality is the division is the division. Not a playoff team. The division it just don't happen to be in a bad division. The division is the division not. still. It's not like the Giants are going to be but world beaters. The Eagles not. still have a lot to figure out, and the Cowboys are always perpetually an S show. So if they prove me wrong, so be it. But I'm not betting on Dallas. That's for sure. I think Fitzpatrick you is... You don't think that Dallas is better than them if they had Dak for the whole year, though, last year? Dallas's defense was so bad, and I understand that people wanted to say that it was because of Mike Nolan and that he has antiquated ideas on defense. The talent does appear to be okay, but until I see them actually play well, I'm not going to bet on Dallas. I understand Dak is an incredibly productive quarterback, but he's not putting these stats up in wins that often, right? Like That's true. I, I will... I will defer and say they are the most talented team in the division but I think that Washington's defense like I said is the thing I'm most confident in that division and I think Fitzpatrick for all his flaws is going to be able to do some things with the talent that they do have on offense Logan Thomas asserted himself as a pretty damn good tight end too Um, everyone it's kind of a popular pick right now people are maybe even overrating Matt Stafford but I really do think that addition in Los Angeles is gonna make a big difference see I didn't go there because I thought they were pretty good all, all, to begin with so I I, I agree with you Same. I, I think, agree I think you. That they, they are legitimate Super Bowl contenders they, they popped in my head and I was like you know what I can't say them because it seems a little bit too obvious to me but I yeah like they literally I, went to the divisional round last year yeah so like, I but I agree I, I agree with you but I really think I, it's going to make like a yeah. big difference Jared Goff was he was well, confined well, hold on KO yeah the big difference means they have to win it because Jared Goff I hear you. Season. I understand, so but like, Jared Goff, it seemed like they won despite Jared Goff a lot of the times. His flaws were covered up by Sean McVay, and they didn't really ask him to do more than the playbook needed. Now, I genuinely do think that Matt Stafford, talent-wise, is an incredibly good quarterback. I think that he's been sort of floundering in Detroit, and he could only do so much on a roster that was perpetually flawed. But... You know, he has a lot of pressure on him. I'm not going to pretend like there's not a lot of people expecting big things from Matt Stafford. They give up two first-round picks for a 34-year-old quarterback. Like, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. But that team, like, that roster, 
doesn't have a whole lot of holes. They keep him healthy. Particularly yeah. on defense, good. they're good too. Yeah. I they're mean, really good on defense. As well. You can't you can't name many quarterbacks that can throw it better than Matt Stafford when he's protected and healthy. Sure. Uh, so the other one, um, I mean, look, they are the laughing stock. They always find ways to lose, but Justin Herbert looked like a world beater in his rookie season. So. I think the pressure is on the Chargers to kind of make real gains and show that they are capable of winning the games that other than just putting up crazy stats, they find ways to lose. But I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I expect them to be a 12-win team, but I think they would be disappointed with anything fewer than nine. Um, so yeah, I do expect them to be better this year. Yes, I, I, and then I agree with that. It'll be interesting to see what the Colts do with Carson Wentz. Yeah. Um, obviously, they too were a playoff team right. and very good football team, but... Uh, they were only able to do so much with Rivers. They didn't ask him to do too much. They were very run-heavy, and they probably still will be. But I think Wentz will be a very interesting case. And then also the last one I'll throw out there is Arizona. Um, they didn't tough, impress tough that much. They better. They didn't they impress better. that much last year. Tough division. No doubt. They better. <laughs> they should, Let me tell right? you something. They better. I know one thing. With all the talent that that team has, they better figure it out. Because what I'm tired of hearing is excuses from why they have not won a playoff game with the guys that they have. So uh, it will be very interesting if they don't make the playoffs this year, what's going to happen to Mr. Kingsbury because he has way too much talent, particularly on the offensive side of the ball for them to not be um, at least have in, in the playoffs. I ain't even talking about yep. winning a playoff game, but you got to at least get there. And so, ba- based on his house, he needs his job. So. <laughs> Well, he's going to get his money regardless for <laughs> what know. it's worth. I know. <laughs> yeah, now, I, I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. I, 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 and thanks to my friend who who was definitely like, I, I'm big on Herbert coming out of college. And I was like, I like him, but I don't really know how I feel about him, right? But he, listen, go ahead. he, go ahead. You know, you know, uh, go you, ahead, Kyle. You know who wasn't the big Justin Herbert guy coming out of you? college? No, Ken Zalas said I was not. he can't play quarterback. Oh. He's going to suck. Oh, Ken, <laughs> you said that? I did. <laughs> That um, that bowl game was yeah, but that, see, but I that mean, was a, that was the thing. I I don't. I, everybody wanted to go to the bowl game, and he was spectacular no. in the bowl game. KZ, listen, he, he I'm gonna tell you a game. I'm gonna tell you a game that put me on notice. I'm gonna tell you a game. Wasn't good I, before that. <laughs> I was on the Pac-12 at I was Pac-12 after dark, Joy. This was like a game that I was like, I fell asleep, woke up at like 12:30 at night, and it was on, and it was really good. And he balled out. It was um, Oregon. And Wazoo. And this game was so good, KZ. Like, it was just back and forth, back and forth. And that was the game that put me on notice for Herbert. And then after that, I watched a couple games, and then the bowl game happened. His offensive line wasn't really good, so I couldn't really – you know, I just couldn't – I didn't – I saw the potential, but I was like, I don't know what he's going to be in the league. I really didn't know, right? And Uh, so I didn't think he would be this – I, mean, I was not surprised for that years. he was so for, good, for, but then also you saw some of the stuff. Not wrong until I'm wrong. I think you're Dang, wrong. KZ, you're, you're wrong already. For him I, to play as not, well as he did as a he rookie. He played great. He was great. He was great. I uh, it would have to it would be terribly surprising if he weren't as good, if not better, this year. It's hard to fathom. I mean, he didn't look like the moment was too big for him at any point last year. I agree with that. And I, I mean, too. that's rare for a rookie like that to go I hope for and, all my shares of uh, Keenan Allen, he is still good. I don't know why he wouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, they're interesting. They're an interesting team. I would be interested to see exactly they if they can take the next step. I mean, their defense probably still needs some work. But, um, they, you know, they have aspirations for once, which is good. Um, 
the Packers, Rodgers, what's what's gonna happen? He's gonna play for them. He's gonna play. I don't think that the Packers are letting him go now. It'll They'll be figure it out. You don't I, think I, he would I, walk I away? Don't know if, no. I, I was getting ready to say I don't know if he's that petty though to be like, hey, I'm just because he ain't showed up in camp. I mean, well, camp hasn't started, but the, any of the um, off off uh, season exercises, he's like. He's living his best life. He's purposely posting those videos. I don't know what's happening <laughs> in that regard, right? But I, what I don't think is going to happen is I don't think that the Packers really want to trade him, right? So I I don't know. I don't know. I think he I think he is still a Packer, whether it means he retires as a Packer or if he comes back and reports to camp. But I don't yeah, disagree. We, we, the saga continues, I guess. When is training camp? Like two weeks. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. The Less than two weeks. And so. Cowboys start sooner than later. Yeah. And then the rest of people start, I think, maybe around the 30th or 29th or something like that. Yeah. Who, so, is yeah, it, we'll, is we'll, it the we'll Cowboys that are, that are on hard knocks? The Cowboys are on hard knocks. So it I can't be wait. That's going to be a poop show. But entertaining. Yeah. It is. It's going to be entertaining. Yeah. No, it's going to be a poop show. I can't wait. No, it's about as good as you could hope for as a fan of the show. I mean, there's plenty of stars. There's Jerry Jones making a fool of himself. Yep. No, all things considered, I'm uh, always excited for Hard Knocks, but it should be particularly entertaining this year. This should be really good. Rita, what's going on in your life? Anything new? Nothing new. Um, yeah, I just, you know, we'll be starting Gridiron Gals podcast back up soon because training camp is starting soon. And yeah, I mean, really, that's pretty much all going on with me. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, here trying to see what's going on before training camp. I know guys want some guys signed. So I'm just like, cause they want the uh, line. They want the defensive line of the Ravens mm-hmm. to still be, you know, a bulls- and there's some guys that's still out there. So do I you think they're going to be in the market for uh, Ingram or you think they're going to wait and see? Um, I, I think it's a wait and see. I think that there's a, you, you still got Houston that's yep. out there. You still got Ingram that's out there. So you know, I'm just trying to keep my ears to the streets to find out, like, potentially what where they go, if they go anywhere with it. But they I, have I mean, to those go guys, somewhere. They, they, those Casey's guys aren't going to sign, though, before training camp. They're not going to they, they're not going to want to do any of the work. Correct. You know, correct. So I don't know why people wanted to make this happen right. now. They weren't going to sign when no. they had to come to, like, those those offseason um, activities. And this is not uncommon for veteran guys like them to say, I'm going to wait to the 23rd hour to sign with a team. So I think that something still happens. I just don't know which way they'll go. Are you as pessimistic okay. about the Adafe Owe pick as KZ is? Um, I was not pessimistic more than I was confused or not confused. Like I just looked at it like, okay, well maybe there's something more about it that I don't know than the Ravens do. And then somebody kind of broke it down to me about how Penn State utilized him, and it made me feel a little bit better about that situation. Because on the surface, it's like, I mean, you see the potential, but, like, why? When you start looking at, like, straight-up stats. Mm-hmm. And then somebody, a friend of mine is a Penn State, a big Penn State fan, and and they have a friend that's a coach over there, and they, was, they broke it down to me a little bit differently, and I was like, all right, well, I'll – let it play out. You want to share? You want to share that that knowledge well, for us and see if we can sway KZ? Like, basically, like that, they used him on on weak side a lot, so um, he was getting pressure, but really, like he was never really on the on on the strong side. He was double teamed so, a lot as well, right? And he was double teamed, and he was double teamed a lot as well. So I was like, okay, well, you know, 
that makes me feel a little bit better about it. But yeah, I, I, at first it was definitely a head scratcher for me because I was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, maybe they see something that I don't know. And that's hope where he's I a pro bowler. Hey, listen. I hope he's a pro bowler. Of course, of course you do. I know you don't want him to fail. No, I don't want him to like fail. Him. It's a once he once they draft him, I made I said what I said, and and that's fine. And it's you know I I watched him for two years on tape and never been a play. I'm intrigued. Right. You know, I mean, look, it remains to be seen whether he will be a productive player early on in his career. But there's a lot to like about the talent and the athleticism, and the Ravens just, certainly are better at developing defensive players than they are wide yes, receivers. Just, Absolutely. but 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 just this is again, this is a position rush edge that they need help mm-hmm. in. Let him go. Just just do don't put all at at worst third down and long. Say, go get the guy with the ball. You have no responsibility on this play except go get the guy with the football that's going to drop back and pass. I would say I'm most encouraged. Look, we know the Ravens like the guys that are complete players. They want their guys to be able to stop the run. They want their guys to be able to drop back in coverage. I think that seems like where a lot of people feel as though he perhaps is most ready to contribute right away. And and that's great. I hope he does all those things well. They need help getting after the quarterback. Sure. And – History would tell us that early on they give their edge guys so much to do that they struggle a little bit right out of the shoot, and they do not allow them to do this. Tyus Bowser took three years to be the player they wanted him to be, and they didn't really utilize his talents Mm The first two years at all. Sure. No, they're right. not you the know? approach as far as the Ed Rusher is concerned. They haven't. So, like, they've been far true. better at defensive tackle than they have been at the edge. But Correct. I do think that it appears as though with Owe, from what we've heard, from who we've talked to, that even though he had zero sacks, it's not right, about like, the sacks. I get me. it, Just but get he appears to be a very capable edge setter. And the athleticism suggests that in space, and he apparently impressed in this way in workouts, that in space he should be more than capable of aiding in coverage. And so if the pass rush comes on top of that, then you've got a, a real three-down guy. Okay. I get it. You're skeptical. It's, uh, it's right, not, it's it right to a, be skeptical. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not even the skepticism. It's not even the skepticism. It's not even the skepticism. It's like all those things can be true. Uh, and, and You're saying they need production now. Correct. They need when they made that well, pick. Particularly now, when mm-hmm. they made that pick, if they were they need the guy to get after a quarterback, they have very few of those guys. Mm, that's not. I can't argue with okay. that. I mean, look, they so, have guys. They'll get pressure from the interior with Campbell and Matabuike, right? Like they figure to have guys yes. that can disrupt the pocket. But yes. I get it. The edge okay. rushing push is, guys get the guys that can come around that can push those mm-hmm. guys towards those. Uh, inside guys that are getting pressure, and it works really, really well. Stands the reason he won't be double teamed quite as much at the beginning portion of his career in Baltimore. We hope I, he gets I to would, the point I where he demands think, it, though, I right? Would, I would think he would not be. Yeah. Well, Rita, uh, always right, appreciate you joining us. It's been fun. Uh, Love you, a Nice guys. little fancy and reality reunion here. Yes. And uh, we look forward to talking to you a little bit more. We'll get you in studio when football season's yes, around the corner. I'll come, right? in, I'll come in. Absolutely. All right. Take it easy. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. There she goes, Sarita, the NFL chick Hubbard. A good time. Always enjoy our chats. As, uh, she's certainly somebody who knows football and uh, enjoys talking about it, so it's always fun. Uh, we're going to take our next break in a second. We're from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Pressbox. Today's show has been brought to you also by Window Nation and Right 
Now you can get 50% off all styles of Windows Plus. Put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. As I said, take a quick break. On the other side, we will talk about a couple odds and ends in a little bit of soccer and basketball before we are joined by the Battle Rounds, Zach Goodman. This is Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis. We'll be right back. Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their Very Berry Salad and Smoky Thigh Wings. It also features the all-new shrimp po' boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, the barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and Smoky Thigh Wings combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams' summer ale, or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. The Olympics start soon. Stop in and watch the games at Glory Days Grill. Every child who dines at one of their restaurants during the Olympic Games will receive a gold medal. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host, Zach Goodman, every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash the bat around or at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. That's the bat around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box sports it takes time to get rich flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of colombia and brazil to royal farms but less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world because royal farms new swiss made coffee machines grind those rich flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time it's why royal farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. 
This is GlennClarkRadio.com. Nothing but net. We are back, Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Press Box. Today's show is brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. And if you have yet to get out to Maryland Live Casino to check out Sports and Social MD, then you are truly missing out as they are bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screens, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We are raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Going to chat with the Batarounds' Zach Goodman here in just a few minutes before we do. Uh, currently happening is the Maryland Sports Commission uh, announcing what we hope is some big news related to the World Cup 2026 bid to host some of the contests as North America pushes for uh, the hosting of that event. And KZ, you seem to have some they, information. They, they're just announcing Lieutenant Governor is announcing uh, Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford yeah. make the announcement on Baltimore's bid to be a host city in the 2026 World Cup. So, so it's, it's I don't it's think not, we're not at the point where we're going to find out for sure no. that it's coming to the area, but it appears as though this is something worth monitoring as either they've moved on to the next stage or it's been you know, made officially clear that in the bid that Baltimore will be central to those plans, perhaps. We'll wait and see exactly what happens. We've interned Jack monitoring the developments there as he's going to be our breaking news reporter, perhaps. Um, They did say that Baltimore is ranked one or two in viewer markets as it pertains to the overall viewership of both men's and women's World Cup games. Sure. Look, we know there's a soccer contingent here in Baltimore, and they've filled M&T Bank Stadium a couple times when there have been exhibition games between some club teams. So it's not as if it's that far-fetched to think that there will be. And due to the proximity to the airport, there's a lot of reasons that it's a logical venue for this to potentially work. Um, But remains to be seen. We won't make any conclusions or say any statements that we don't know to be true. So we'll keep our eye on that and see if anything comes of it. Also interesting, uh, Shams Sharania, obviously the the Woj counterpart here, uh, reported that uh, Denver Nuggets associate head coach Wes Unseld Jr. is emerging as the favorite to be the Washington Wizards' next head coach. So a neat little story, obviously. Obviously, Wes Unseld, a Baltimore legend, and uh, as far as the franchise is concerned, one of the true greats. So not exactly a Wizards market here, but that doesn't mean we can't shed some light on an interesting story that does have some relevance to Baltimore as Wes Unseld Jr., the son of Hall of Famer Wes Unseld, apparently could be at the helm for the Wizards next season, which uh, would add a little intrigue to what it is that they're doing over there in D.C. Uh, All right. I guess we'll just talk about some other stuff now. We will make (laughs) our connection with the Batarounds' Zach Goodman as uh, we will look to see if he has any opinions on just what the Orioles did in the 20-round draft there uh kz have you had any time to further think about anything with the draft do you think that there's are you are you you're still just kind of the same right now i'm i'm, I'm the same I, I look i i i don't know enough about the the guys that they drafted especially on the third day of the draft they took a lot of college arms looks like a lot of power college arms that's fine um 
I also don't really know how much of a underslot Kowser was at the overall fifth pick that they had a lot of money or opportunity to go over slot further down the road. Um, you know, they have to they have to have the opportunity to pick those guys and they have to, you know, they have to have the money to pick those sure. guys. And I think knowing exactly how much they had left over with the Kowser, if they had any, you know, by like we talked about yesterday, a lot of people had him up as the seventh best player in the draft. They took him in five. I don't see a huge savings in that. No, I hear you. Uh, we are going to make our connection now with uh, Bad Around host Zach Goodman. Before we do, today's show has also been brought to you by the latest print edition of Press Box on the cover. Terps quarterback Talia Tonga-Vailoa as Thomas Genzora penned the feature story about his expectations now that the Terps with Mike Loxley at the helm have uh, real hopes to make strides in the Big Ten and maybe compete for some postseason aspirations. They've got a talented wide receiver core. A lot to like about the Terps entering the 2021 season. As always, PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You hear his voice every Saturday morning from this same studio as he is one of the co-hosts, or is the co-host, I should say, of the Bat Around. He is Zach Goodman, and he joins us now here on Glenn Clark Radio. Zach, it's Kyle and Ken Zalis. Thanks for taking some time for us, man. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. Appreciate you having me. Uh, glad to be on and talk some draft. So I think that, look, myself included, I think when you enter in the MLB draft as a baseball fan, fully acknowledging that we really don't know that much and these guys have been spending, you know, eons more time evaluating and scouting and compiling information on the players that they're drafting, there's a tendency, particularly for Royals fans with the underslot thing, that you expect there to be some big name, high school, high upside players drafted in order to, you know, even out the difference maybe on savings compared to what they do later on. What was your initial reaction from the Orioles draft after they selected just one high school player? And were you at all disappointed initially, as I said, like maybe after a little more research, you found that there was some other stuff with what they did? You know, to be honest, um, I, I did expect a little more high school guys to come off the board of the O's. I thought that, you know, what they ended up getting in all of the college players that they did was a little bit disappointing to me just because I'm preferably looking towards some of these guys with higher upside. And I think a lot of the college arms and bats they took, um, especially in the, the later rounds, not so much the earlier rounds, but I think they lack the the super high ceiling that I would have looked for. I, I think that's what you get more in the college guys, um, or in the high school guys, excuse me. So when you look at the college guys that they took, it's generally a lot more of, of a safer profile that they, they ended up looking for, especially guys like Colton Cowser, Connor Norby. Um, you know, they're both high upside guys, but they're also extremely safe. You know, they're guys that probably are going to be solid Major League Baseball players. They're probably going to hit for contact. They're probably going to be guys that are getting on base at a, at a 350 clip in the, in the best part of their career, 360. So I'm excited about that. I think that, you know, they, they end up, I, I think to me, really nailing the first two picks. But after that, you know, with going under slot for Colton Cowser, I would have liked to seen a few more guys um, with a little bit of higher upside they could have gone over slot for. But I do think a guy like Reed Trimble and John Rhodes, I wouldn't be surprised that they do go over slot 
um, even though that they, they were uh, college bats. I, I wouldn't be really surprised if they did go over slot for those guys. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'm disappointed, but higher upside for me is always where I look for. So, you you know, we talked a little bit about the overslot, the underslot, and all, all that fun stuff. And, you know, after the Cowser pick, I, I don't know where he really was in, in the in the realm of things. I've seen him as high as the seventh-ranked player uh, on some of these boards and, and things like that. But, you know, it seemed like, and maybe it just worked out this way, but very, you know, going after high contact, uh, high, good, good uh, – you know, low strikeout, good on base percentage, college bats early. And then yesterday, or not yesterday, but the last day of the draft, I mean, what, they took nine out of their ten picks, all college pitchers, and looked like, you know, looked like solid arms. I don't know if they're overwhelming. I don't know how much potential they have. Have you had a chance to get into them and, and let us know who maybe some of your favorite picks, more so from the pitching standpoint, were? You know, honestly, it seems like to me that they really targeted a relief pitcher profile, especially in the, you know, the rounds about, you know, 11 to 20 in that area. Um, It seems like they tried for guys that, you know, maybe dropped a little bit down the board because teams expect them to be relievers. Obviously, teams want starting pitchers, and that's kind of what they they look for, um, especially in rounds 1 to 10. But you look at rounds 11 to 20, and you kind of figure, okay, maybe we can grab a guy who's one of the better relief pitchers in the country, um, and maybe we can get him at, you know, a pretty good value from 11 to 20. I do know, uh, you know, a, a guy like Dylan Hyde at, from Pitts Johnstown this year uh, put up a 1.37 ERA at a .67 WHIP. He's arguably arguably the best pitcher to come out of D2 this year. And the Orioles have had a bit of success under Mike Elias drafting these D2, D3 guys. Um, you look at Toby Welk, who was taken uh, as a D3 guy, and now is is one of the the better D2. Uh, D3 bats in the system, and I would say one of the better ones to come out of that draft. Um, so I think Mike Elias looks at that, especially being a D2 All-American. He threw a no-hitter on March 11th. A guy like Dylan Hyde, to me, is a very, very high upside pick because teams may have not been scouting him as much as the Orioles may be looking at a D2 guy like that. So I, I think that Dylan Hyde, to me, would be would be the most impressive. That was obviously pick 317, round 11. Um, so, so for me, Dylan Hyde, but there are other guys, um, you know, I, I did like the first baseman out of, of Florida Southern Jacob Teeter, um, you know, slugged six eighteen this year. So that's a guy to me that, that has pretty high upside as a first baseman. And another guy that's, that's a D two that, that comes out that may not have had that scouting presence that the Orioles have had, uh, from other teams. So I, I, I do like, you know, some of these D two D three guys, I think there's a lot of diamonds in the rough that you can find. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, I, I think as far as, as 11 to 20 here, I think the Orioles went with some safer guys um, and, and relief profile as well, because you didn't see them draft a high school guy all the way through. Um, so, you know, as far as this goes, I, I think the Orioles, you know, know a lot more than, than I do about a lot of these guys, but you know, I, I do believe that Michael Elias knows what he's doing when he's drafting these guys. How much of a factor do you think the pandemic played in their evaluation and maybe their risk averse nature and approach in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think last year uh, in the 2020 draft, it really played a big role. Obviously, there was barely any in-person scouting they could have done. You know, only in, in February, in the early parts of March, they could have gotten out to high school games, and there are not a lot of high school games in those two months. So, um, you know, you look at last year's draft really being affected by it. And I think Hespin Kerstad, you know, last year's draft pick really was a pick that, they might not have made without the shortened pandemic season. He was basically the best college bat uh, all the way through. 
So, you know, maybe that's why they took him because of the shortened season. He was such a producer. Um, so I don't think that happened as much this year where there was a guy who really produced so well in a short period of time, and that's why they took him. Uh, maybe Reed Trimble, he, he did go on a pretty good tear there at the end of the season. But um, I, I think that, you know, ha- being back to full seasons, doing a lot of in-person scouting, I know the Orioles do a lot of video scouting as well. So, you know, obviously that plays a factor as well. But being back to in-person, I think – you know, kind of decreases the chance that much could have been affected by the pandemic. Uh, but you know, there were there were some guys that you know, especially if you look at John Rhodes, the uh, one of the one of the early picks in this draft. He was a guy who really had a great season in the shortened pandemic season. He hit like 450 or somewhere crazy like that. And this year he only hit 251. Um, so maybe they look at that pandemic shortened season as as a breakout year for him. So I do think the pandemic obviously changes a lot. But being back in person scouting definitely helps out the uh, the scouting organization. You look when you let's go back to Kowser for a second. Um, were you surprised at all by the pick? I mean, maybe because maybe not because he was linked to the Orioles, but was there a different direction you may have gone in if you were Mike Elias? Yeah, you know, I, I like Jordan Lawler a lot. I think Jordan Lawler is a, is a super high upside guy, and obviously he got t- uh, taken at number six right after the Orioles picked. Um, I, I wasn't as into the Henry Davis idea as I think a lot of people were because I just don't know if there's a defensive position yet. You know, he could end up as a left fielder, could end up as a right fielder, uh, but, you know, he, he's not the best receiver behind the plate. He does have the 70 right arm, which is always a plus, but when you don't know where he's going to play, I think it's a little bit tough to tough to take him, in my opinion, uh, for the Orioles, but obviously he went number one overall, so the Pirates did see something in him. Um, I, and Khalil Watson, to me, he was number two on my board. Khalil Watson is a stud. Um, I, I think he's a five tool talent but the problem is with Watson that you know he played North Carolina in a league where he generally didn't see a lot of curveballs and then when he did see them he didn't hit them at a great rate uh he did not look very good against curveballs so I I think that Watson they really contemplated I I think they spent the entire day looking at Watson versus Cowser and they ended up both being there um I personally thought that was going to be the pick uh if it wasn't Cowser was was Cleo Watson but I, I personally would have liked to seen Watson or Lawler, but they did go with uh, they did go with Kowser, and that was you know number eight on my board. Kowser was is certainly a great athlete. He's a he's a five tool player if he puts it all together. So I think Kowser to me is certainly a good pick and a guy that I like better than than what they took last year in Heston Kerstad. So then, if you had to pick one guy from this whole group, who do you think was your favorite pick of the entire draft? For me, it has to be Connor Norby. Uh, I, I'm a big Connor Norby fan. Obviously, he led the uh, the NCAA in hits this year. He had a 415 batting average. The guy, to me, is just an excellent pure hitter. Now, I, I think the upside with Connor Norby, as opposed to a guy like Reed Trimble, it might be a little bit less because he kind of is what he is. I don't think there's going to be a lot of power developing there. But if you look at the swing, I mean, it's easily a, a top 10 swing in this draft class. Um, he's a guy that's going to get on base at a super high clip. He's going to hit in the major leagues. Um, you know, now whether he, he's slugging at a decent rate or he's hitting a lot of home runs, I'm not sure that's going to be the guy for that. Um, and his defense is pretty average across the board, although I do think he's going to stick at second base. I think that Connor Norby just has to be the best pick for me because he's going to be, he's easily right now the, the best uh, second base prospect in the Orioles system. I know Paul Valley, when he was on your show this week, mm-hmm. mentioned that Connor Norby could be an option because he always do lack, you know, a lot of second base depth. Obviously there's, there's Taron Vavra, there's Jemai Jones, but you add in a guy like Connor Norby. And I think it's a premium talent where Vavra and Jones are just right kind of behind that tier uh, of Orioles prospects. So Connor Norby to me, uh, you know, he, he fills a need. He's an excellent pure hitter. He's another guy who probably fits Sigma Dell's model-based system. So, so for me, it's got to be Connor Norby. 
Did you think they were making these decisions about college-centric guys at all because of what we have as the perceived timeline with the Adley Rutschmans, the Grayson Rodriguez's, and the DL Halls? I'm not sure how much the Orioles worry about timeline. I think timeline is is a factor that more fans look at outside of the actual front office of the Orioles because we want to see these guys, you know, as early as possible. We want to see the 2023 Orioles have guys from that 2021 draft or the 2020 draft or wherever it may be. I think the Orioles just look at whoever they think is going to, number one, fit their model the best, and then number two, who the best value on the board is. Um, I always talk about, you know, best player available. Paul and I talked about that constantly on our show, best player available. But really, what I think the Orioles do is look at best value available. And you can really see that in the Cowser and Kerstad picks. Um, even a guy like Connor Norby, Reed Trimble, these are all value picks. Um, I, I think that that's kind of the, the way the Orioles look at things. And I, I think, as I mentioned before, Sigmeidel's models play a, a very large role in, in what goes um, you know, on in, in all of these draft picks. Um, so, so timeline as far as high school players, you know, a guy like Manny Machado made the made the majors in two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been guys who take five, six years, seven years to make the majors that just never really pan out at all. Obviously, I, I mentioned before, high upside, but also extremely high risk with any of these high school guys. A guy like Khalil Watson might not make the majors for four years because they have to work out, you know, him not hit, hitting a curveball or whatever it may be. So, I, I think that. You know, as far as high school guys go, there are some guys that are on more accelerated timelines. But as far as the Orioles are concerned, I think they just want to get the best value available. Where do these go? What, what's the next step for these draft picks? Um, you know, it always used to be, and and before the restructuring of the minor leagues, that uh, they would all go to the half season, and a lot of them would go to half season in Aberdeen. What do they do with them now? How how do they, how do they work this out now? Do they go to like the just the extended spring training and things like that? Yeah, so I, I know the Astros under Mike Elias and Jeff Lunau, they used to really um, restrain from putting prospects into much of anything right after they were drafted. So obviously the season they were drafted, you know, a lot of these guys have been through a long college season, long high school season. Um, and they just don't really have the, the, you know, uh, I guess stamina to come out and play a whole nother season at, you know, uh, low a Aberdeen or whatever it would be. Um, you know, Aberdeen to me was the place that they usually seem to send their draft picks. That's what the Orioles have done in the past. And obviously the, uh, the GCL, um, you know, down in the, the spring training parks, like you mentioned, is, is a good spot as well. I think Kowser to me, is a guy that I, I think the Orioles would be benefited to actually, you know, they, they'd benefit from having him play some games. They'd benefit from him being, um, you know, somewhere at all. So I think Kowser is a guy that, that certainly could get some playing time, but maybe some of these later round draft picks, um, you know, go to the, go to the Gulf Coast League or, um, you know, maybe not play at all this year. So I, I think it's probably just going to depend on how uh, quickly the prospect signs, number one, and then number two, uh, you know, where the Orioles think they are in their development. So then, look, this is uh, only part of the puzzle for the Orioles as they attempt to build up their minor league system and continue to add talent. You have the international signing coming in January. I saw they were linked to a guy who could get upwards of $1 million, $2 million. We like that. Um, do you expect there to be any substantive trades before the trade deadline? 
Yeah, that's a tough one, honestly. Um, you, you look at the PR nightmare that would be trading Trey Mancini, and it's just so tough, um, especially because you would be really selling low on Trey Mancini right now. He's not having the best year of his career. If you wanted to sell high, you would have sold him in 2019 when he hit 35 home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, you, would have, you would have sold him in the offseason. Of course, he missed the entire 2020, so he doesn't have a lot of track record over these past two years of playing you know, really good baseball. He just hasn't. He's played fine this year. You know, He, he just did a great thing in the home run derby. It was awesome awesome watching and we all love him of course but it hasn't been the best season for Trey Mancini so if the Orioles were to look at selling him you know number one the entire fan base is gonna you know basically just turn their nose up at this idea and then number two I I just don't really know what the the deal would be that would be good enough to come back for a guy as beloved as Trey Mancini maybe you package him with a Paul Fry maybe you package him with a Tanner Scott someone like that out of the bullpen and you could really bring back a, a better prospect package I think a guy like Tanner Scott could easily grab a top 100 prospect, um, you know, just based on his age and his, his uh, incredible fastball, his incredible slider. And, you know, obviously the control has is, is definitely improved over the past two years. So if you package a guy like that, and I do expect Paul Fry to be traded, um, but if you were to package him with a Mancini, then you could possibly get a better deal. Um, but I, I think for me, Paul Fry right now is, is the guy that stands out, even though his numbers have really decreased over the past you know, month or so, um, which is definitely concerning. We're not really sure why, but uh, I, I think Paul Fry is, is going to find a home. Lefty relievers are obviously extremely coveted across this league. All right. Uh, he is Zach Goodman. You can find him uh, every Saturday morning in this same studio that we are in, the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio, as he and Paul Valley take you through the world of baseball on the batter round. Zach, uh, you can be followed at Twitter at OriolesFan68, correct? Correct, exactly. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Definitely appreciate you taking the time for us, man. Look forward to catching up soon. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. There he goes. Zach Goodman, some nice insight there about what the Orioles did. I agree the Dylan Hyde pick, as far as the pitchers are concerned, is the one that I'm right. probably most excited about. He's the one that appears to have the most upside as far as a starting pitcher goes. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I fully agree that the timeline doesn't factor into their decision. I think that it probably has to a little bit. Um, but all things considered, I, I do think the Orioles do have a plan. And the over-slot, under-slot discussion, I think we probably make more of it than we should, and we don't really know exactly how much these guys will be demanding. So for the college guys that do have leverage, the Reeves, the Rhodes, to return back there and play, like they're going to probably cost a little bit more to probably, make sure yes. they're signing. Um, but no, good stuff from Zach. Appreciate yes. him giving us a little bit of insight as far as what he gleaned and uh, how he feels about what it was that went down there in the draft for the Orioles. We are about to get in to our two Utes segment with our friend intern Jack. Uh, Two Utes is brought to you by Grade 8's memorabilia. And as I mentioned before, we will see you July 25th at Jimmy's Seafood for the return of training camp crab feast featuring Tyus Bowser and benefiting Casey Cares. The event, as we mentioned, Cannot be missed. Get your tickets now by going to great8smemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, great8smemorabilia.com. So without any further delay, we are joined by uh, young Jack in the studio here as uh, he is not Sarita Hubbard. I'll change that name in just a second. Uh, Jack. What exactly is going on in the world of the Utes in the past day or two? All right, so um, 
Yesterday, there was an article published uh, talking about there's like a problem going on with people bringing out, uh, getting rid of their pet goldfish, like <laughs> either through like the toilet or yeah. just like throwing them in the lake. And yeah. it turns out that they grow up to be like massive fish. So there was a guy who went fishing the other day and caught, um, it was, I think, I believe it was an 18 pound goldfish that was a little i mean i would i kind of would freak out i think yeah. goldfish is supposed to be like no yeah tiny yeah. like i apparently they grow as big as their environment allows yeah, <laughs> yeah. But supposedly they're like getting like they are in danger for uh like the other species that are that live in there in, in the lakes yeah. already because like they feed off of like the bottom layer whatever gross the, like detritus muck. yeah whatever the gross stuff down yeah. there is so uh, have you? Do you see what they look like? They're huge. They're yeah. huge. A lofty little guy. Yeah. I mean, people were like, "Can you fry that up?" And I think it said like it would probably taste like the pellets that you feed them. They taste like whatever it is they consume. So I don't think they're going to be the best tasting of the whole fish. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going to go and get, go and order that at a restaurant. No. definitely not. But um, that's that's like a little. It's kind of funny. No, it's wild. <laughs> but it's definitely cool. Um, I was unaware that they could get that big. Yeah. It was kind of scary to an extent when you think about how many goldfish have been uh, disposed of. And just how big they maybe are. Like, well, it are says that they can live for goldfish? like 20, 30 years. But if you had one for that long in a fish tank, like it's never getting that no, big. No, like I said, no. I think it's confined. Like I don't fully know how the science of that works, but like they are as big as the environment that they're allowed to be as big in. So like yeah. in a tank, I think they just kind of stay little. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever had goldfish, Casey? Uh, I had them growing up in a tank. I also have them in a pond in my backyard. Well, those are often koi are those well, different? i actually have gold different types of fish but yeah look at you yeah man of but the fish. there's some of some goldfish they do not get near <laughs> no i can't imagine no it was pretty wild i did see a picture of that and it was uh, mildly off-putting all right yeah so what do you think about that i mean what i've never so i've never owned goldfish? like a pet fish before some of my friends actually have some fish but yeah I uh, never like got into the whole like fish tank getting like. I mean, the, look, I could understand like the idea. That. That'd be pretty cool to be able to like observe a uh, aquatic environment in your own house if you can get like some nice saltwater fish and right. get some variety in there. Like if you have enough money, by all means. But it's a lot of upkeep to make yeah, sure no, that everything. Yeah, no, you got to clean the tank <laughs> every now and again so yeah. you can see the like the actual fish. Right. It's just like a kind of a, it's too much to deal with for like a. Little, you're not really going to pet the fish, so it's right. not, like, you're you're not. Not. I'll take affection. like a dog over right. over like a pet fish. Every I agree. Day. But right. um, so next is uh, yesterday there was so Travis Kelsey was on a uh, a podcast oh, with God. some barstool guys. It's Casey's nightmare right here. Yeah, and one name he thought he could pronounce. Yeah, so this isn't true. There's no you don't think to. it is. There's no, it, hold on, let finish finish. I okay, for so, those who don't, yeah, so know. for those who don't are just learning right now for the first time, his last name is that what we have thought this entire time is Travis Kelsey, but he went on air yesterday and said that his last name is actually just Kels. So. I thought he said Kelly. No, he no, said Kels. 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 Yeah, Travis Kels. And so Andy Reid actually calls him Kels. That's like what Andy Reid sure. refers to him as. And everybody kind of thought it was like, like short, Andy Reid's yeah. nickname that he had given him just because like Andy Reid's like a goofy guy. He's like, just call him Kels. Yeah. So it turns out that it's actually Kelsey, or it's actually Kels, but he's just been going, like everyone started calling him Kelsey from like a young age. And I feel like it kind of just like stuck with him. We've heard instances of that. We had a Yannick Ngakwe on when he was right. with the Jaguars. And we found out that his name is pronounced Yannick, despite everyone calling him Yannick. Uh, so there's definitely times where people have just sort of been like, it's not worth correcting everybody out there. But wait, but it's his a little brother, late, his right? brother played in the league too, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, like you, 
Nobody called him Kels. It was only his brother was Kelsey too. I mean, I'm just, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I honestly can't tell if this is just a bit with, because of where it was done, number yeah. one. But it just seems like I, I, I get it. It's weird. I want to. He's it, he's been good enough, long enough. Is he the one to have no. demanded it be corrected? Right. by now. But like, wasn't he on like? Like he was on a TV show, yeah, a reality show, where it was dating like a vying for the affection of Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. They called him like, like what? Like, why are you cha- Why are you correcting it now? You've done. You've been in the NFL. Your brother's been in the NFL. Yeah. You had a reality talk show, th- a reality uh, whatever show, dating show, dating yeah. show. All this, it's Kelsey. I get it. It's I, weird. It's it's really weird. I. I I don't know if I'm buying it. Well, I think when you get like that recognizable and you decide like, but he's been that recognizable. But he's no, been. I'm I'm saying he's been relevant for the last uh, almost decade. But you think been, that it's been tied to the I think like the two syllable last name yeah. as opposed to a one syllable. I don't. Last I mean, name? even if his last name really is Kelsey, like, I'm still probably gonna when I'm talking about him in conversation, I'm gonna say Travis Kelsey. I, I saw Mahomes my, my tweeted out. It goes like, yeah, you know, learn right? something new every yeah. day. I'm like, yeah, come correct, on. Yeah. And then Tyreek Hill jumped in, and it was yeah. like a whole back and forth. And then yesterday, the Kansas City. Chiefs released like a Twitter, uh, a tweet with like the pronunciation for like any questionable, questionable kind of name that they would have on their roster. Which you is know, we'll know for sure when they play on CBS. And if Jim Nance says Kels, then we got to run with it. Uh, but it is a bit odd that he waited this long for such a simple correction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To I not feel like just the first time known. somebody said Kelsey, you would have said no. Or like after he made Kels. his first Pro Bowl, he'd be like, "Look, guys, I'm going to be here for a little while. Like, call me <laughs> right. by my real yeah. name." I would appreciate that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like his brother's going to be coming out and saying much either, because he's like a hates social media. It's actually written in his Instagram bio that he hates <laughs> social media. So yeah, I don't think I, we'll get just, much out of Jason from yeah. that. But just um, a weird thing for me. Oh well, you'd hate pronunciations as is. But but even so, like this odd is, timing, very odd. Ah, don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. So all right, that's number yeah. three. Um. So it turns out that you can get rich just from eating. So well, Joey Chestnut knows well, that. Yeah. Well, that's true. But this is just this is McCormick, the McCormick Spice Company, yeah. is now uh, making like a new position for the company. It's director of taco relations, Saunders. and you can get paid a hundred thousand dollars to just be like the taste tester and like travel all throughout the country and like talk about taco trends is what they were talking about. Do you have the job listing pulled up? I would like to know what the qualifications are for said job listing. I would be very curious to know. I might just leave the show and become the taco tester. Well, it's certainly worth putting an application yeah, in. I am intrigued. $100,000 seems a bit lofty. People would probably do that for 35000 if I had to guess. Uh, people, you just tell me you get paid for eating tacos all the time? I think I would like that job. Probably. But that's interesting. What, what, so, so what? So it's here. I just pulled up the application. Um, so the responsibility is keep tabs on taco trends, trolling TikTok, et cetera. It's taste testing. Trolling? You're supposed to troll people on TikTok? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> Hang out at the um, local taco bar. It says develop content including videos for Taco Tuesday, which would be a new series on McCormick Spice's social media pages. Highlight the latest taco trends. Um, talk about tips and tricks regarding taco repertoire. I don't know exactly what that means. Taco repertoire. Taco tips and tricks. (laughs) And then it says, debate the ultimate controversial topic, the taco topic, whether you like soft or hard topics. This kind of seems like too far-fetched to be like a real job. Does it not? It seems like this is not worth $100,000. I know that much. (laughs) I mean, for 100 k I don't think they are paying the right salary for such a position. Uh, What are the qualifications? Uh, Let me go back to it. 
Because I would like to think that there has to be some really? level of expertise. Like, so it's uh, a part-time job. You need to be... Tra- mm, this is not a $100,000. There's no chance. There's no um, chance this is a $100,000. You're not getting paid part-time $100,000 for some taco information. I refuse to believe it. Well, yeah, I don't think there's many majors in, in uh, universities where you can uh, no, study tacos. Not yet, at least. Um, if you're picking jobs like this, there might be. So it says you have to be 21 years or older and a United States resident, open to all experience levels. So, <laughs> so not $100,000. So, there's no chance. I'm brushing back at the idea that this is a six-figure job. If it is, McCormick, you have too much money, right. and you should be sponsoring us on our show. We will take some of that money, please. So it seems like if you like food, you like tacos, and you can sort of talk about the food you're eating currently, they'll give you $100,000 to do so. I quit. <laughs> I think we <laughs> may have to apply. apply. Uh, yeah, I think everybody needs to send an application. I can't imagine. I've, I pity the person who's sifting through these applications because they're going to get a lot of them, if this is a, even if it's a $10,000 gig. Right. Hundreds of thousands of people, I'm sure, are going to get this job. Do you have to be in the Baltimore area? No. You, it's even, it says on their website that you're, you can work remote from, from mm, this internship. That's to, too bad for our too. chances. Yeah. Well, I'm intrigued. I'm not going to lie. I'm intrigued. I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging and see exactly if this is a real thing or if uh, I have any chance at all about being the taco tester because that sounds like a job that a lot of people would enjoy. Uh, I love tacos. Seems too good to be true. It does. It does seem very too good to be true. All right. Well, that's quality information. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. I will do a little digger. Dig deeper in uh, that regard to see if I can find, uh, you know, what it takes to, to win that role. But all right, good stuff. Thank you, Jack. All right, that means we will uh, wind down, do our requisite final portions of the program as we finish up in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Pressbox. Today's show and tidbit of the day is brought to you by Window Nation. And right now, get 50% off all styles of windows, plus, excuse me, put no money down. Make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. Of course, last night the main topic of interest was the basketball contest, and it certainly was an exciting one. Uh, Chris Middleton, he played quite well to his own right. He had 40 points in last night's game, and this actually marked the fourth 40-point performance of this NBA Finals already through four games. That makes it just the third NBA Finals in NBA history with at least four 40-point performances in the series. And seeing as how Giannis Antetokounmpo has done it twice, Chris Middleton has done it once, and Devin Booker also, did it last night. This marks the first time ever that the 40-point performances came from more than two players. Hmm. A trio having that done, that is, well, never been done before. Prior to this, there had been five 40-point performances, and I assume, frankly, that we'll probably reach that mark, if not more, during this series. There were five in 1969 when Jerry West had four and John Havlicek had one, and then in 1993... Michael Jordan had four, and Charles Barkley had one. So an interesting little tidbit regarding the overall series. And when Chris Middleton did it, it was actually the third most points all time in a finals win to tie the series, as the Bucks evened it up 2-2, trailing only LeBron James in 2016 and Wilt Chamberlain in 1970. For what it's worth, Jerry West in 62 also had 40 in tying up a series. But my question for you, KZ, Chris Middleton, 
Yes. Of course, was a second-round pick in the NBA draft. <laughs> he has had a grand total of 496 points in this postseason. That is the most points in a single postseason by a player not drafted in the first round. Only two other players have had postseasons with 460 points or more who were not drafted in the first round. Can you name either of them? Probably not. Well, one of them's active in the NBA. Is one of them Draymond Green? Draymond does not score enough for that. I was going to say. It's a good he, guess, Just because he's been in so many. He has, um, but it's not Draymond. Second rounders. Be Clay. Not Clay. Clay was a first-round pick. Was he? He was like so 11th yeah, overall. What about like Trevor Ariza? Not Trevor Ariza. No. I would say that there's one MVP on this list. See, I don't know where people are. I, I honestly don't know when people are drafted. Uh, James Harden. Oh, no. He was the, like the third overall pick. I, I just I don't know when people were drafted. Well, for an NFL draft analyst, you certainly are falling short in the NBA draft here. Casey. Yes, I mean, I mean I, it's horrible. An MVP quite recently. Jokic? Nikola Jokic yeah. was a second-round pick by the Nuggets. I would never guessed he was a second-round pick. 464 points in last year's postseason. And now this second-place non-first-round pick won, I believe, three NBA titles in his career. When was the last one he won? He's been out of the league for a little while. But it was in this millennium. Well, there's only so many three-time champions in this league, I feel like, especially in the last 20 years. Uh, I Three-time champion. This millennium. Come on, Jack. You um, follow the NBA. Well, it's got to be like a dominant team. Um, it was a dominant team. So maybe like someone. A Laker? No, is it like a Laker? Oh, he's Celtic? a four-time NBA champ. Excuse me. Was it? Um, was he a Laker? Like Tony no. Parker? Was he drafted in the second round? He was a first-round pick, but you are in the someone league. from that team. They won so many in the early two thousands. I know. Um, Ginobili, maybe Manu Ginobili is yes. indeed the answer. Four-time NBA champion, of course, the Argentinian. Yes. He indeed had four hundred and seventy-nine points in the two thousand and four, two thousand and five postseason. So Jack carried KZ in that segment. You have to when you get, appreciate, the, get the NBA. Appreciate him getting those answers in because he, he nailed it. Tough enough Good when stuff. you give me NFL stuff. Well, maybe you should do a little better, KZ. I should. All right. That brings us to Totally Tubular. Totally Tubular. Baseball's is, back, yay. It is. Totally Tubular is brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. As KZ mentioned, it is the return of baseball. Not Orioles baseball, mind you, but there will be one game tonight following the All-Star break as the Red Sox and Yankees square off on ESPN at 7 o'clock. On Fox Sports 1, some CONCACAF Gold Cup action at 7.30 tonight. You have Haiti going against Canada. U.S. Men's National Team taking the field at 10 o'clock to face Martinique. Uh, on the Golf Channel, uh, that's 
pretty much over. The British Open round one was at 4 a.m. this morning. Uh, it's also on Peacock at 1.30 a.m. And it moves back to Peacock at 3. I don't even know. But whatever. That's on. Uh, the Barbasol Championship round one is at 5. As if you had any idea what that is. Tour de France already happened, but that was stage 18 on NBC Sports Network. Uh, maybe it's still ongoing for all I know. Those guys bike forever. Uh, on Axis TV, Impact Wrestling is at 8. And then WWE Network has NXT UK at 3. On the non-sports, uh, Jesus and Miro are at 11 o'clock on Showtime. Uh, CW has a couple shows I've never heard of. Walker at 8, Outpost at 9. Viceland, something called The Dark Side of the 90s at 10. Who knows? Shark Week continues on Discovery Channel. I have no interest in this one, but if you do, feel free to check it out. Dr. Pimple Poppers Pops Shark Week at 8 o'clock. Does sharks have acne? Who knows? Uh, Sharkadelic Summer 2 at 9, and then Mega Jaws of Bird Island at 10. Colbert has Hugh Jackman and Lord at 11.35. Good Girls, 10 o'clock on NBC. Fallon has Mark Wahlberg, Mark Hamill, and John Mayer. Quite the trio there at 11.35. John Mayer has a new album coming out tonight, I believe, or midnight tonight, if you're into that. Seth Meyers has Alan Cumming. Damian Lillard will be on Seth Meyers tonight, and uh, Charlie Benante. Uh, ABC, When Nature Calls, with Helen Mirren at 8, Holy Moly at 9, and then Jimmy Kimmel Live with Nick Kroll as the guest host. We'll have Seth Rogen, Winston Duke, and Gucci Mane. If you're so inclined, feel free to check that out. Today's show has also been brought to you by the BMW Championship. The BGA Tours, the PGA Tours, excuse me, top 70 golfers are coming to Baltimore to compete in the 2021 BMW Championship at Caves Valley Golf Club. Secure your tickets at bmwchampionship.com. All right, so that will just about do it for us this morning. Uh, thank you to all of our guests. Thank you, and congratulations again to Jackson Merrill. Thank you to Sarita, the NFL chick Hubbard, and also to Zach Goodman. If you missed any of that today, we'll get all that up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archives tab at runclarkradio.com. Dot com. Thank you to Ken Zalis and the intern Jack for all of your help this morning on tomorrow's show. I do know that we will be chatting with Aberdeen Ironbirds slugger J.D. Mundy, who has put together quite the impressive season as he's already managed 12 homers, total eight at Aberdeen since being called up lately. And, uh, couple of those impressive players at Aberdeen. Yeah. He is being one of those, particularly when it comes to the power bat. We will also have some good stuff and things with the irons and the fires, as always. So looking forward to that. As I mentioned, maybe Glenn himself might call in as the dandy. return of Glenn Clark to Glenn Clark Radio might just take place. Um, thank you to all of our sponsors. U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, KNS Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great Eights Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the BMW Championship, and the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, as well as your local Toyota dealers and buyatoyota.com. New episode of Jobbing Out is in the Podcasts tab at Pressbox Online. Uh, for myself, Kyle Ottenheimer, you can follow me on Twitter at Ottenheimer. KZ is, can be followed at Fans Fantasy. If you have any uh, fantasy football-related questions, feel free to bother him. He loves to be bothered. I do. Uh, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Uh, Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. <laughs>